This is Breaking News on Louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Mollison. We are now getting word that there has been a terrorist attack in Boise, Idaho, on the ground with more news. Is Jimmy, our field reporter. Jimmy, what's going on there? Well, Perry, we're not quite sure as to what is happening yet. Uh, there have been rumors of angry Methodists who were upset with last week's potluck dinner. No, no. Jimmy, what's that? They're yelling there behind you. I have no idea. Uh, you know, it's best if we come back when we have more information. Well, you heard it here first. I'm Perry Matheson, keeping you abreast with breaking news. You found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Not a big home improvement market in Detroit. <laughs> we are definitely going to get letters. You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. Oh, it's that time of week. And you know what that means. It's time to drop kick you in the face with truth and justice and political incorrectness. And, of course, um, some people will be fired. Producing with me in studio, as always, the video portion of the studio is Not Gay Jared. He claims he is not gay. You can follow him at Not Gay Jared. I apologize for the previous accusations. I fulfilled my legal obligations. You can follow him and draw your own conclusions. We good? We good. We good. Not fired yet. We're good. We, we are good. good. Oh my gosh. This is, you know what's, this doesn't happen that often. So last week, almost the entire program was about Mitsu and the students because that was top story. And then, boom, Paris attacks only a few hours after we get off the air. And we hadn't even talked about it. So we get a lot of people listening to the podcast, obviously, who aren't listening on, on Wham or Cone Alaska in the middle of the week going, well, why didn't you talk about the Paris yeah, attacks? No. Well, you're listening Friday night, you're listening Saturday or Tuesday. It happened before the program. Um, after. after. Well, sorry, after the program. Yeah. This is true. My, I don't know. I just had a stroke. Stop it. You're stroke shaming. <laughs> and right now, firstly, this is breaking as we're talking about this. Uh, Molly, is it Molly? Molly? It's Molly. Molly. I believe. Uh, just had another terrorist attack. I was reading about it this morning and I was going, is this Islamic terror? Is this Islam what's happening? And of course, now we know they yelled out Allah Akbar. Our prayers with the people there and thoughts. Listen, we have to, of course, I, we always pray anytime there's a tragedy, but I will say this. Often you're not going to hear me say prayers and thoughts with the family. You know why? Not because my prayers and thoughts aren't with the family. It's just sort of a hollow thing to say at a certain point. And I'd rather move on down with the jokes because that's how I help with healing. So, um, not right off the bat in the first segment, but we'll we'll make some good Molly jokes later on down the line. 170 people were held hostage is what we know right now. Here's the crazy thing about Islam, and we'll get into the refugee situation, Paris, all of that. By the way, Ted Cruz on today and Michelle Malkin, Senator Ted Cruz and Michelle Malkin. For those of you who missed um, Senator Ted Cruz, we did have to pre-tape because he's running for president, and uh, that is... Uh, 
Kind of a big deal, so he has a busy schedule, but sat down, really relaxed. I think you're going to like what he has to say. So, Molly, any time before Islamic terrorism, if you read, oh, there were 150, 170 hostages taken, your instinct was, wow, that guy's going to want a chopper. He's going to want millions of dollars. There might be a, I, gosh, I hope, I only hope he, he just doesn't kill anybody. When you read an Islamic terrorist takes 170 hostages, you think, oh my God, 170 people are going to die. Mm -hmm. And any, anyone who says otherwise is lying. They're not being honest with themselves. That's your instinct. 150 people are going to die. That's what we saw in Paris. In Paris, basically killed people one by one as their friends and family watched. Um, so we don't know a whole lot about Mali right now. We just know Allah, Allahu Akbar and terrorism. Here's one thing I want to talk about. It's been a discussion, Syrian refugees. I'm pretty sure you can guess where I line up. But everyone, this whole discussion has been Islamic terrorism since Paris, right? Well, they're not all terrorists. Well, it only takes one. Right, it only takes one terrorist coming from Syria. We had five uh, arrested coming from the Honduras with fake passports, eight arrested in Texas. So they're trying to get in here. Boston bombers were, uh, I don't know if they were refugees, immigrants. What do they have, visas? They were refugees. They were kind of a little different process, but they were refugees. Yeah, so I don't know how the left trots out. Not a single one of them has ever been a terrorist. It's complete and total BS. But I want to talk about something, and we've talked about this a lot. I hate to be a broken record. We talk about Islam and, you know, Dearborn over there. Oh, okay, death to Stephen, whatever. I don't care. You know, bring your best. Um, let's talk about non-terrorist Islam. Let's talk about best-case scenario. Let's talk about Malaysia. Let's talk about uh, Turkey. Turkey up until recently was really sort of seen as this bastion of secularism to Islamic apologists. Um, there was a game, a soccer game here, that happened in Turkey uh, this week. And many of you maybe have seen this. You haven't seen the counter arguments, but there was supposed to be a moment of silence for the victims of the Paris attacks. Paris. Terrorist, I guess. Is that what we call it? The terrorist incident? Paris. Yes. Um, and they booed the moment of silence. Now, I want to give you a little bit. You, it's, it's a little hard to delineate. It's a little hard to hear. And then let me give you some context. So this is at a Turkish soccer game in a stadium full of, I don't know, 50 to 100,000 people. Depends on the stadium. Moment of silence. Parents gather. Players gather. Parents gather. This is during a moment of silence. It's a little hard to hear because the closer angles were actually removed, where you could originally hear them shouting out Allah Akbar. You hear that war chant? This is the moment of silence. The players are shocked. All right. So we had the, the video up at lotterwithcredit.com, and then, of course, it was removed. Here's, here's something. It's not that, and now there have been leftist arguments that actually they were shouting martyrs never die and it was in support of Paris. And there's another leftist argument that actually they were shouting martyrs never die because they were mad that they didn't have a moment of silence for an ISIS attack in Turkey on 100 people a month ago. Um, so they tried to tell us at Louder with Crowder that we weren't being honest with our audience. Well, hold on a second, hold on a second. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't pass the logic test because it's a moment of silence. So even if you're yelling out Allahu Akbar in support of the Paris victims, during a moment of silence, at the very least, it's wildly inappropriate and a-holish. Well, it's Turkish culture. I don't care about your Turkish culture. It's a crappy culture. I like your coffee. I hate everything else. Your culture sucks. Your religion sucks. 
Your people at your stadium suck. You're just being ethnocentric. Fine, let's go with that. Want to go with that? Have you ever tried Turkish Delight, though? Have you, have you ever really... I saw it in Narnia when the witch used it to, to lure that kid, and I'm like, what? That's, that kid's weak-willed. It's not even chocolate. Well, that's the extent of my experience with the two. Tur- <laughs> Narnia. <laughs> I will, could I have some more Turkish Delight? You can once you betray your brother and sister. T- is that Tilda Swinton? No, or Caitlyn Jenner? I can't tell anymore. You did come out of my closet, after all. That's called... <laughs> that's Narnia. Um... I just, I just, I, you know, I, 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 my whole life sucks. So the apologists don't work here with the Turkish game. And we'll get into the macro, but this is important. It's not just that they yelled out Allahu Akbar, right? If it's a moment of silence, 9-11, moment of silence. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, 9-11. If I do that, I'm an ass. You should kick the crap out of me, Right. I should be leaving that room with third-degree burns. I should look like Dark Man. I deserve that because it's inappropriate. So if you do that, I don't care about your culture. Here's the thing, though. So let's assume for a second that really the thousands and thousands of people who are yelling out Allahu Akbar and booing the moment of silence were doing so maybe because, you know, they weren't supporting the Paris. It was, it was the opposite day. We didn't know... It's actually really popular. So let's go with the premise that I believe, call it a hunch, that really they were booing because they didn't like the moment of silence. Here's the thing. It's not just a few people. This is moderate Islam. Now, I'm not talking about terrorists. I'm not saying all these people booing are terrorists, right? What I am saying, though, think about this. These people in a soccer stadium, firstly. So a soccer stadium can be anywhere from 60,000 to 100,000, depending if it's like the Tokyo Dome or uh, wherever that... um, female train transition David Beckham plays. Um, it's a big, big stadium. You would have to have many thousands of people chanting this for the sound to wash over the microphones, right? It's, it's the Turkish Islamic equivalent of the wave. There were enough people engaging in it. They felt comfortable booing a moment of silence for the Paris attacks in, in Turkey. They felt comfortable enough in a stadium with tens of thousands of people that no one would kick their ass that they could do that. Anywhere in the United States, in Canada, in the free world, if you were to boo or shout out Allahu Akbar during a moment of silence for victims of terrorist attacks, you would be beaten. You wouldn't do it. You know why you wouldn't do it? Because you'd be escorted, you would be tackled, you would be tased, you would fear the repercussions. So here's my point. Regardless, extreme scenario, terrorism. Right? Extreme scenario. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. That's extreme scenario. That's also their top 40, by the way. Very hard to distinguish number one through number six. Now let's scale it back. Moderate Islam is still booing a moment of silence. It's still accepted in mainstream Islam. Because they did it at a soccer stadium with tens of thousands of people. They felt comfortable enough among their moderate Muslim brethren to do that. Right? There's even honor among thieves. You don't steal from other thieves. There is no honor among these people. These these people. Huh? What what, what, What do you mean, you people? I mean Muslims. What do you mean, you people? No, no, I I mean Muslims. I mean Muslims. Islamists, radical Islam, no Muslims. So even though extreme Islam really sucks, right, 
Moderate Islam isn't all that better. It's not very good. That's what I want to talk about. Let's assume that most Muslims are, are, are moderate, and most Muslims are not terrorists, granted. But compared to freedom, compared to Paris, which is even so, you know socialist, certainly compared to the United States, compared to anyone who's, if you're a feminist, if you're gay, if you are not Muslim, compared to any other religion, compared to any other political, ideological, legal system, moderate Islam still sucks really, really bad. It's bad, Larry. It is bad. You don't need to be blowing somebody up to infringe on their rights. And boo, a moment of silence. So let's not talk terrorism. We'll talk mainstream Islam. More after this. Later with Counter. Whoa, Jared, what are you doing? Shoot, bad guys. With what? My AR-15. Where'd you get it? AR-15.com. Oh, there's another one. You got him. Yeah. Thank God for AR15.com. They have AR15 and accessories for sale and the best advice there is on the web. Oh, no, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. With your what? AR15. From where? AR15.com. That's the best place to go, and that's the takeaway because this commercial's about to stop. to be back we don't know what we're going to be doing for next week thanksgiving we may do a special uh, on thanksgiving and of course the brutal savages which have now come to be known as the indigenous people thanksgiving though we will be busy 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 <laughs> i plan on still being knocked out cold from the uh, the old trip to fan so that's actually a myth uh everything's a myth to you well no you can i could be i could come up to you and be like listen steven i really like bendy straws you'd be like Ah, no, you no. idiot. You know how much air you're going to get cancer from that. I read this thing one time. No, no. Tryptophan. I've taken tryptophan. You cannot use something worse, Jared, than bendy straws. Those those are the worst. It's a myth. Bendy straws? Bendy straws. How dare you? How dare you? Exactly. They are terrible for you. I know. They cause rectal cancer. I know. You probably have it right now. Wait, no, that's right. You, you have had your lower intestine removed. This is true. Um, well, then, in that case... I want potato You'll get nothing and like it. That's the cancer you'll get. It, it's true. The tryptophan thing is... I, you can actually take tryptophan as a supplement. I have. So what it, the, the idea is tryptophan converts to 5-HTP, converts to serotonin. You can take the, the sort of middleman 5-HTP... And that does increase serotonin in the brain. Serotonin, if dopamine is your reward center, you're waking up, boom, bazing, you know, dopamine, coffee, uh, stimulants, and then serotonin, generally speaking, is kind of the nighttime, okay, let's let's calm down. It's related to melatonin. So tryptophan converts to 5-HTP, converts to serotonin. Mel in melanin? Melatonin, not melanin. Oh, okay. No, I know. You want to get some to Sean King? Let's <laughs> <laughs> ship it off from a Let's Cos ship it off to Sean King. Costco bulk order. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if, if melatonin were melanin? Melanin. He would just be just hoarding them hoarding. from the Walmart aisle. Talking to his wife. Quick, quick, get that. Get get that more. Get that more. Wait, sweetie. It was people are watching. I'm going to get them all. Get them all. Get that melatonin. Get that melatonin, woman. A Sean King, yo. Y'all know I'm black. What an ass. Uh, speaking of asses, we were talking about moderate Islam. You know, the second the the 
the Syria thing happened, the Paris thing with Syria. We're talking about refugees right now. Immediately when it happened to pray for Paris, and immediately afterward, I wrote a letter about it, was pray for Syria. And the second France responded and attacked an ISIS training center, they were told that they were terrorists on Twitter. This is, this is mainstream, trending all over social media. You're no better from all these Muslims decrying France. You're just as bad. No, 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 it's taking people hostage, targeting innocent people in a theater, shooting them, killing them one by one as their husbands, wives, children watch is not the same as targeting a training center of the people who did that. And that's what's such a, a, a weird, we're in a weird time because of social media. After 9-11, we were able to, even leftists, I mean, that's why George Bush had the highest approval rating in, in history. We were able to identify what ter terrorism was and say, okay, we've got to do something about this. Now, right away, right away, the left pivots to, well, no, not all, let's be, let's, let's be sympathetic to Muslims. Let's be sympathetic to refugees. The ter France is no better. Retaliation is just as bad as terrorism. That's where we are. We, we're one politically, uh, politically correct generation removed from 9-11, from and, and this this was mainstream. It was all over the main hashtags in social media. Immediately, the Pray for Paris was passed by not all Muslims are terrorists. Terrorism has no religion. France is no better. I mean, you saw this. Oh, it was, it was, it was really just kind of it's, gross. It's really disgusting. disgusting. And it's like, I'm not talking about terrorism, okay? Muslims watching. I'm not talking about terrorism. I'm talking about you. Your self-pity party is incredible. It doesn't have to be about you. People died. Yeah, they died in the name of your religion. We'll get to that. Sit down and shut up. We'll get to that. What are you saying? You need to put us in camps? Yeah. My point is, it's not about you. Innocent people died. Now, I know, according to Islam, anyone who is non-Muslim is not innocent. That's one thing that's also so funny. There's the loophole. There's the loophole. I have, you know what, actually, I sent, I'll bring this up during the next break. I was looking through trying to, looking through the pro-peace Islamic websites, right? And I was looking through them after this because I'm going, okay, I legitimately may have been wrong all this time. Now, there are some peaceful sects of Islam, absolutely, uh, but they're drowned out generally by the screaming, the kicking, the raping, the decapitating, the burning alive, the throwing gay people off of rooftops, you know, it t tends to drown them out. So I was reading on the Islamic apologist sites saying, no, no, this is, look, it, Muhammad instructs you to treat innocent people um, very well and how, how you can live among them in peace. Now, who is not included? Anyone who has, you know, warred with you, driven you from your homes? You're like, okay, well, I get that. I wouldn't want to live in peace with anyone who invaded my land. I'm like, that, that makes sense during time of war. And then feathered in anyone who's mocked the prophet, and then also anyone who's killed your wait, 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 wait. Anyone who's mocked the prophet. These are the big. Pe these are the people you will see on CNN. These are the people you will see uh, out there championing the Islamic cause. That no, no, no. We need to con even condemning. We need to condemn terrorism. We need to treat innocence well. You cannot be innocent ever under Islam. Ever, ever, ever. If you've talked about Muhammad in a less than praiseworthy way, if you've ever said Muhammad, I think was kind of a dick. You're no longer innocent. You deserve to die. If you'd drawn a picture of Muhammad, you deserve to die. Now, that's that's mainstream. The extreme of that is if you've ever said Muhammad 
Allah's prophet, peace be upon him, if you've ever not said that, you deserve to die. So again, that's the extreme. Scale it back. You ever draw a picture of Muhammad? You're not innocent. You ever say you think Muhammad's a false prophet? You're not innocent. Which means all Christians who have balls, by the way. I want Christians out there to grow balls, by the way. If I, if I may use that. Can I use that? Balls, Christians. Uh, you have to acknowledge that Islam is straight from the pit of hell. If you're not a Christian and you believe in evil, you have to acknowledge it straight from the pit. But as a Christian, okay, as a Christian, does it, super, does it have prophets after revelations? Yes, absolutely. Does that prophet subvert the text before it? Absolutely. In Islam, they believe the blessing of Abraham was actually switched. It was the old switcheroo. Who caused it? The Jews. And they basically tell you that Jesus is not who he claims he said he was. So if you're a Christian, you've got to believe that Islam is evil. And then if you're not, let's just look at the stats. We'll have more of those stats after this. But again, I don't want to talk about terrorism. Let's talk about moderate Islam today. Let's talk about mainstream countries. Uh, coming up next, you're going to love this gentleman. You may have heard of him. Senator Ted Cruz is on cruise control to the White House. I'm sorry, I had to do it. Stay tuned. Senator Ted Cruz right after this. This is breaking news louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Matheson. Here to update on the terrorist attack being carried out in Boise, Idaho, is our Phil reporter, Jimmy. Jimmy, do you have any updates on the situation there, and are you staying safe? Yes, uh, Perry, it, we are still waiting on information. Uh, the details seem to be quite murky. And now, now, Jimmy, it sounds to me like they're yelling behind you, Allahu Akbar. No, we cannot confirm that. I don't know where there are no confirmed reports of that at all. Uh, at this time. Jimmy, it, uh, I definitely feel like I'm hearing multiple people yelling Allahu Akbar behind you. Well, are you fluent in Arabic, Perry? No, I am not fluent in Arabic, but I feel as though... Well, then, maybe you should uh, reserve judgment, because it wouldn't be fair if Arabic people who didn't speak English heard you yell... Uh, that you wanted potato salad and told everyone that you said Jesus killed. That's a fair point. We'll check back in with our field reporter, Jimmy, and keep you abreast. You're listening to L L Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Louder So glad to have this next guest. Now, a lot of the guests I have in the program I'm, I'm personal friends with, or I know, full disclosure. I haven't spent a ton of time with this gentleman. We've talked about him a lot. He's running for president. There's nothing else to say. TedCruz.org. Senator Ted Cruz, thank you for coming on, good sir. Stephen, thank you for having me. Good to be with you. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to have you on. And uh, no tie. I, don't think this is the, I think this is the first time I've seen you without a full suit and tie going on. Oh, that's uh, why well, I just j j just made it home, so I lost lost the jacket and tie, and I'm much much happier that way. Well, good because our demo are they're a bunch of basement dwelling miscreants who are 29 year old males, and they'll want to, they'll want <laughs> to feel uh, more laid back. All right, listen, full disclosure. So are you telling me I would be better off if I was wearing my Van Halen concert shirt? 
if you have one, I would have advised it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, listen, if we have you back and you wear that, that will, it doesn't matter what you talk about regarding policy. That will be the comment section. I, 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 will, I will tell you this. I, I didn't actually see Van Halen in concert, but, but, but I do have somewhere a Pink Floyd concert shirt because I saw Pink Floyd in 1988 in the Astrodome. Wow. I am not a Pink Floyd fan. This has started horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right i like some of their music my thing is it's kind of the same thing with our generation i would say the mars volta where music can be great and then there's a certain amount of point there's a certain point where it becomes pretentious just let's just put in a bunch of noise and i'm, I'm no longer paying attention but I, I will say it was unusual to see a, a gigantic pink pig floating balloon in the astrodome that, 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 that was more than a little different i can't imagine so well that brings us to uh, i just forgot the gentleman's name um Oh, gosh. The Pink Floyd guy who just did that to film The Wall. I always forget his name. Uh, Jared, can you help me here? Anyway, he just came out and did this whole thing with, with Israel, you know, that no one should go and perform in Israel. And I think... Was uh, it Roger Waters. Roger Waters. Sorry, there you go. That's how, <laughs> that's how dumb I am. The senator's correcting me on my rock history. Oh, this is, this is a rough start. But speaking <laughs> of which, so he says, you know, no one should perform in Israel. I'm sure you, you've, uh, you've kept yeah. on top of this right now. Um, you just issued a challenge to Barack Obama and this administration yeah. full for context. They called you offensive. Um, they basically called you out as well as Christians because of their position on yeah. Syrian refugees. Yeah. So yeah. you go ahead. The floor is yours, sir. Well, you know, yesterday and today, uh, President Obama has now two days in a row uh, attacked me directly. He did first from uh, from Turkey and then then today from from Manila. Yesterday, he, t he attacked me, said I was un-American. Today, he attacked me and said I was offensive, all because I'm saying what millions of Americans are saying across this country, which is that we disagree with Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton's plan to bring to America tens of thousands of Syrian Muslim refugees. I, I think it is lunacy when this administration can't vet them, has no idea who among them may be ISIS terrorists, but because of political correctness, they want to bring, here, bring them here anyway. And, and, and President Obama says, those of us that want to keep this country safe and keep ISIS terrorists out, we are offensive and we're un-American. It, it really is remarkable. It is remarkable. Uh, have you, you know, you, I know Barack Obama, President Obama is not a big fan of you. Have you spent a significant amount of time with him personally? Is he, no? Very little. I mean, I've met him at a few events and, and he's, he's a little bit aloof and standoffish. But I'll tell you my response today. I said, look, if, if he's going to two days in a row attack me now, now it's a little rich to call me un-American as he's standing on foreign soil. But I said, listen, if you want to insult me, insult me to my face. Right. I said, why don't we have let's have a one on one debate anywhere you like. My one preference, I'd like to do it in the United States of America and not in some <laughs> country overseas. But a one on one debate on his Syrian Muslim policy a one-on-one -on -one de debate on his foreign policy that's been a disaster. And if he's so confident, and, you know, today also he, he was lecturing all the Republicans saying we're scared of the media, right. which is more than a little hypocritical given that he's usually surrounded by sycophantic reporters who are kissing his behind saying how wise he is because he never wants any real questions. And banned Fox News for a while. I, uh, I, you know, it'd be funny if it weren't lives, you know, at stake right now. That's exactly right. Um. It's kind of, Jared, I'm getting a little bit of reverb here, so I don't know if you want to tone that down. But um, one thing I will say, 
it, it's it reminded me of Green Day, where they recorded American Idiot and they recorded it in England, and uh, it, they got into a sort of a war of the words with the Killers. I think it was Brandon Flowers who said, "Listen, I don't. You have your right to express the opinion, but you have a bunch of English people shouting, yeah, American Idiot,' and that's just cowardly." And and that's a big thing. Character is an issue here. Yeah. But here's something I want to add. You know, Jared and I have talked about this. Now you're you're obviously deeply Christian. I don't feel I'm mischaracterizing you. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But you've not necessarily been seen as a, um, we've had Governor Huckabee on, maybe a social conservative as though that's your main cause. You're seen as a constitutionalist. How do you, sometimes you do have to go, well, yeah, the Christian thing to do, obviously, is be sympathetic. Um, Of course, that's not a way of policy. Sometimes you do have to put your Christian hat on and sometimes your American hat on. And with national security right now, how do you balance the two? Well, listen, my, my faith is the most important thing in who I am. Uh, And and all of us, the American people, we are compassionate people. We always have been. Uh, If you look at these refugees, I mean, it is a humanitarian crisis, and it's a crisis caused by the utter failures of the Obama-Clinton foreign policy. But, you know, the director of the FBI told Congress that, that we cannot vet these Syrian Muslim refugees because they said, listen, if we get information on them, we query the database, we have nothing in the database. We have no ability. We could, as he put it, query till the cows come home. But we don't have any information on who the ISIS terrorists are, so there's nothing to check. The administration cannot determine who is and is not an ISIS terrorist. Right. And, and so, listen, many of these refugees are legitimately fleeing persecution, but they should be resettled in Middle Eastern countries that are majority Muslim. And, and we can help with that. Right. But, but, but the first obligation of the president, the first obligation of the commander in chief, should be to to protect the safety and security of the United States of America. And if you look at the the, the refugee wave that's going into Europe, one estimate was that that wave consisted of 77% young males. That is an odd demographic for a refugee wave. We know at least one of the terrorists in Paris was among those refugees. And and it doesn't make any sense at all for President Obama and Hillary Clinton to be bringing in tens of thousands of Syrian Muslim refugees when ISIS has said they intend to carry out terrorist attacks just like Paris here in the United States and to murder hundreds or if they can thousands of Americans we should protect America first now I agree with you and I was talking about this today did you see the the uh, Turkey the soccer game the Turkish fans did you see that I, I did today? not okay uh-huh. well let me kind of give you a, a, a briefing here um, but by the way Stephen you, you'll like this but you know links to your show light up my Facebook page. So Don't admit that. Don't admit that. All the time. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Do not admit that on air. The, uh, folks, the folks on my stream are big, big fans because I, I click on things all the time from, from you well, on Facebook. Thank you. Well, today, actually, we just had a violation of, uh, of uh, service on Facebook. They said, well, I said, well, okay, hold on a second. Tell me which post. They didn't tell me which post, and they didn't tell me which policy. Listen, I mean, you know, listen, that's why I say be careful because we're pretty edgy. I'm a, an entertainer, um, and I'm always very straightforward that we're not profane but we do some very offensive things so people know that going in and um facebook had a problem with it we've had denial of service tactics on the sites you know angry i mean right next on care i'm next to salman rushdie and uh mark stein and what people don't and this is actually ties back to the point about turkey people think oh you're on care well have they blown you up yet well no but we have had all kinds of cyber attacks they've tried to take down the site they have successfully a couple times youtube facebook so turkey there was a moment of silence. Uh, who was Turkey playing? Do we know, Jerry? Was it? Gr- I'm trying to. I don't know. One of those Europe. I can't stand soccer. Men in pink jerseys with buns in their hair. I'm a hockey guy. <laughs> um, so, 
they had a moment of silence and they were yelling out what definitely sounded like booze and Allahu Akbar. And to the point you can see the player reactions where they're shocked. Now, the left has tried to spin it saying they were actually shouting out martyrs never die. And there's two theories. One was for the victims, but the one they say is they were actually mad because there was no moment of silence for the victims in Turkey from an attack. I'm going, it doesn't pass a sniff test because either way, it's a moment of silence. Do you yell, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus during Remembrance Day silence? Because I tell you to shut up. Uh, look, look, a moment of silence is, is not that complicated to figure out. how. To do it. <laughs> well, then, then it becomes an, an intellect problem. Um, but that's the best case scenario. You know, let's talk, Turkey has been widely regarded as one of the most moderate Islamic countries. Um, what would you I mean, what would we put there? Turkey, Malaysia, UAE. I don't want to speak out of turn. You would know better than I would. So yeah. what would you would you put until recently? Would we have put Turkey in that list? Would that have been fair from oh. leftists? Relatively speaking, I mean, look, it, it has not had the same problems as, as places like Libya and Somalia right. and Yemen. But, but, but uh, Erdogan is, is a pretty uh, uh, vocal and aggressive Islamist. Yes. Now, um, and I'm not saying you would, but I'm saying leftists touted it as kind of like, well, look at places true, like true, true, Turkey. True. Left, leftists, uh, le- leftists whitewash uh, what, what, what's happening in Turkey quite a bit. Right. So that's best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take terrorism extreme. Best case scenario, you still have people who in Europe want to implement Sharia law and install yep. Sharia courts. Yep. You know, Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson got a lot of flack for saying Sharia law is basically incompatible with the Constitution. It's not politically incorrect. Is it accurate? It's, it's absolutely accurate. I mean, listen, I, I have been fighting against Sharia law for many, many years. Uh, under our Constitution, it is only American law that is enforced in our courts, and Sharia law has no place. And if you look at you, you know, the consistent pattern of both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton is that they refuse to acknowledge radical Islamic terrorism. They refuse to say the words. We saw Hillary Clinton in the debate this weekend. She would not say radical Islamic terrorism. And you cannot defeat it if you're not even willing to say its name. And, and, and this infects every mistake they make on foreign policy, you know, because they don't identify who the enemy is. The reason Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton want to bring in all these Syrian Muslims is because they don't recognize that radical Islamic terrorism, Islamists embrace a theocratic and political philosophy that they should murder or forcibly convert anyone they view as an infidel. What they're doing to Christians, Mm -hmm. they're engaged in genocide. They're they're crucifying them. They're, they're beheading them. And yet this president acts as an apologist right. for radical Islamic terrorists. Well, my point is even not radical Islamic terrorists, you scale it back. Moderate Islam is still pretty bad. If you're a feminist, if you're gay, if you want to talk about equal rights, it's still not very good. I'm not saying Muslims can't be good people, just like uh, any group can be can consist of, of good people. But if you look at any, like I'm saying, moderate Islamic countries, they're not bastions of human rights disregarding terrorism. I look, more than once when I've had conversations with, with, with leftists, I, I've asked them, you know, uh, you know when, they, when they're focused on, uh, on issues like gay marriage and how it's the most important issue from their perspective, I've, I've asked, I've said, you know, recent years have been very bad years for gay rights because ISIS is murdering homosexuals. Iran is murdering homosexuals. Barack Obama sending $100 billion to the Ayatollah Khamenei empowers a radical Islamist leader who wants to kill us, who mm-hmm. chants death to America. And, 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 and the funny thing is leftists, 
apparently have no trouble with sending $100 billion to someone who murders homosexuals. Right. What do you do when they say— Because their commitment to, to ignoring the evil of the Islamists is so great that, that everything else fades in front of them. Okay, we have to go to a break quickly, so let me give you a last word before we go to the break. We'll come back. What do you say when left to say, well, George Bush uh, was in some pretty cozy relationships with people who were less than uh, pro-civil rights in the Islamic world? Because Republicans have been guilty of that, too. How do you respond to that? Well, I think what should guide U.S. foreign policy is the vital national security interest of this country. And, and you're right. Not every ally of this country has an unblemished record on human rights, and we should speak out against it. If they're not honoring human rights, we should speak out against it. One moment. Hold that thought. Louder or prouder. TechCruise.org. State. This is breaking news on Louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Matheson. Underwear field reporter Jimmy with an eyewitness hostage who has been released in the ongoing Boise, Idaho terrorist situation. Jimmy. Yes, we are sitting here with Sandra, who said that she was there. Sandra, you were there for the event. Am I correct? Oh, my God. It was, like, really scary. They came in with masks, and they were yelling a lot who at bar. No, no. Jimmy, it sounded like she confirmed the report that they were yelling Allahu Akbar. Son of a bitch, Perry! You're a strange animal. That's what I know. This is Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to Senator Ted Cruz running for president. He is back. I'm sorry I had to cut you off. Our evil sure. corporate overlords. Continue your thought. Just, just be sure to send send a portion of the revenue to TedCruz.org. I well, I'll I'll put it through uh, my pack to your my pack will speak with your pack. Excellent, excellent. And then I'll call big unions and have them give to Bernie Sanders' pack, and then uh, only on the condition that he says he hasn't gotten any special interest money. Please continue. Well, you know, we were talking about foreign policy being focusing on the U.S. national security interest. If you look at the Obama-Clinton foreign policy, the one place they've been eager to use military force is inexplicably where it benefits radical Islamic terrorism. So, for example, in Libya, Hillary Clinton's war in Libya, <laughs> where Obama and Hillary led NATO in attacking Gaddafi. Now, listen, Gaddafi was a bad guy. He had a horrible human rights record. But the sanctions against Libya, the strong foreign policy of this country had worked. Gaddafi had handed over his entire nuclear program. He was cooperating with America against radical Islamic terrorists. He was handing over terrorists to this country. He was an ally in stopping radical Islamic terrorists in Northern Africa. Mm -hmm. But yet, President Obama and Hillary Clinton led the NATO effort to bomb him, to topple him, to kill him, ultimately. And the result is they handed Libya over to radical Islamic terrorism. You want to know why Benghazi happened? Four people were murdered. It wasn't just Hillary Clinton's malfeasance that night. It was the failed foreign policy that had turned Libya into a, an, an Islamist war zone. Uh, 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 I have, I'm sorry. No softballs here. Yeah. It was a YouTube video. Get it correct, Senator. Get your facts <laughs> correct. When I first well, read that... The interesting thing is Hillary at the same time told Chelsea, her daughter... She knew it was terrorism. So while she's lying to the American people, she's emailing Chelsea going, oh, it's terrorism. And then she turns to the American people 
and says it's the silly YouTube video. Right. Well, I've talked about that. When I first read that, I've done quite a few videos on Islam. Um, when I first read it and they said, you know, it's pop, you know, I've had videos with many millions of plays on Islam. I thought, oh, no, my video just got Americans killed. And then I saw it and I was going, the video had like a couple hundred plays. No one had even seen it. it you know, it was one of those things that was totally irrelevant. Um, anyways, not to go. Well, I want to go a little. And, and, and Stephen, let me make a quick point on sure. that. It's not just Libya. We see the same thing with Egypt, where the Obama-Clinton foreign policy toppled Mubarak. Now, look, Mubarak had a sketchy human rights record as well. It was, it, he had real issues there. But he had been a consistent ally of America for decades. They toppled Mubarak and they put the Muslim Brotherhood in, in power, which is a terrorist organization funding terrorists that are trying to murder Americans. And you look at Syria now. They're trying to topple Assad. If Assad falls... Syria will fall entirely in the control of radical Islamic terrorists. And why is it that this administration, the only time they use military force, is to undermine American allies and, and, and to further their efforts consistently further radical Islamic terrorism? And I think it's because they refuse to even acknowledge it exists. So they don't ask the difficult questions about who are the bad guys we're benefiting. Well, listen, Senator, I, I don't mean to say that you're you're out of touch because you're dealing with it politically, but we're talking about a generation of people who get offended if you use the genetically proper pronouns. So getting to the point of calling something Islamic terrorism is a little further down the trail. Um, look, 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 these, these guys are so nutty that right. the federal government is going after school districts trying to force them to let boys shower with little girls. Now, listen, I'm the father of two daughters. And the idea that the federal government is coming in saying that, that boys with all the, the, the God-given equipment that are boys can be in the shower room with, with junior high girls, this is lunacy. And, and I bet you there are a whole lot of parents, particularly parents of daughters, they're not, not eager to have the federal government saying, guess what, your daughter has to shower with, with a boy if he wants to be in there. Yeah, I know. And that's, you know, leftists simplify it to love versus hate and we're going well, hold on a second here this is an issue that has gone on for for all of time uh the, the gender differences which now we have to act as though it doesn't exist and there's intersectional right. feminism i mean i don't want to get off too 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 far off from the weeds but i will say this if i am a republican candidate i'm just a younger guy um we have a much younger demo i mean there isn't even second place in the conservative sphere with people as young as us and i actually want to get to something that i think uh, would be important for you in connecting with them but yep. um, there are four winning issues for republicans free speech that's a winning issue. The pendulum shifted. Yep. Guns. Yep. That's a winning yep. issue. And then uh, Islam now is a winning yep. issue, calling it out yep. for what it is. And funnily enough, also um, anti-third wave intersectionalist feminism. There's been a huge turn from both men and women. Yeah. Those are winning issues yes. Yes. regardless of your personal faith. And people yeah. can get on board. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I watch the debates and Republicans just seem to miss it. And they focus on issues that are losing issues. Why? Why is that? Well, look, I can't speak to other Republicans. Sure. What, what I can speak to are the issues I care about. And, and, and I have been passionate about defending the Constitution and Bill of Rights my entire life. I mean, literally from when I was a teenager. And, and you're right, free speech. Democrats don't believe in free speech anymore. No. You know, I wrote a book this summer called A Time for Truth. And, and I describe in that book the Democrats' efforts to repeal the free speech protections in the First Amendment. And I led the fight against that in the Senate. Is the thing that probably horrified me the most about the Harry Reid Senate. And when it came up for a vote, do you know how many Senate Democrats voted to preserve the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights? Um, I'm going to go with two. How? Oh, how? Was that a trick? Not a single one. Zero. Uh, 
every Democrat was on the other side. And, and, and I'll tell you, I, I gave a speech on the Senate floor next to, next to a, a poster of Ted Kennedy, who, when Democrats tried this 15, 20 years ago, said, we haven't amended the Bill of Rights in over 200 years. Now is no time to start. And I said, are there no liberals left in the Democratic Party? Are there no Ted Kennedys? Right. Is no one willing to defend the First Amendment? And sadly, the modern Democratic Party, they are the party of government power. If a young person wants to understand the Democrats, if you think the government should have power over you to silence your speech, to take away your guns, to invade your privacy, to control your life, to raise your health care bills, to raise your electricity bills, to decide what you can do with your life, then you vote Democrat. If you believe in individual liberty, then don't vote Democrat. Friends don't let friends vote Democrat. This is true. Well, we, we have 30 seconds, so here's what I want to do. I want to continue on that because as we go to the web extended version, people listening terrestrially, that's where you get you get off of the weeds with, with the youngins. Um, and uh, I, I want to follow on that path because there are there are definitely some things that I think you're, you're catching that maybe some other Republicans are missing. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. TedCruz.org. He's getting a nice big check from my pack to his. Uh, go to louderwithcrowder.com for the web extended version. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news videos and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. What? I don't even know. How did you get in this room? Cold like hard cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! Louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fun Dip. It doesn't cost a thing. Louderwithcrowder.com. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to You you had my mic. Glad to be back. Thank you. You're fired. Not gay, Jared. Uh, second hour, we have Michelle Malkin coming up at the bottom of the hour. Good. Full show today. Michelle Malkin obviously has a new book out. Obviously a good friend of the show. Was the first guest we ever had on the show. I wanted to bring uh, Not Gay Jared here in for a second. You were talking about your friend. Can we, are we going? What, we go with Skyler because it Skyler, sounds way better. Your friend Skyler who put this meme up on Facebook. So we're back to talking about Syrian refugees. And his friend Skyler is one of those Christian enlightened liberals who's never employed anyone or been gainfully employed outside of the church, so he has a very skewed view. You're getting a lot of young liberals coming out of the church, and you know why? It's because the church now wants to maintain its tax-exempt status. They're absolute pansies, and so they don't want to speak out on issues of politics, which are closed-handed issues. I'm not talking about taxes. I'm not talking about necessarily foreign policy. I'm talking about things like being pro-life. I'm talking about things like personal accountability. I'm talking about things like abortion. I'm talking about things like being men and leading your family. Churches don't want to talk about that because they're absolute cowards, and so you combine that with a lot of these kids along with they go to seminary, they work in a nonprofit, they have no idea how to run a business. So there's no concept of economics or how the real world works. And it's the perfect stage five crap NATO for absolute ignorance. And so I'm 
Frankly, I am stunned when I see how uh, dumb so many young Christians are. Unfortunately, great. You listen is, to David Crowder with the Fohawk, but uh, is it is Christ is it Christ explaining? Is that the right word? Is it Christ explaining? I don't know, man. But I, I, I tell you, I part ways with a lot of these young Christians now um, because it, I mean I, I I share nothing in common with them. But you're talking. So your friend Skyler is like this. He's always Black Lives Matter. Went down to Ferguson. Uh, you know, um, sort of soft-bellied amoeba type kid who's never been in any sort of conflict. What was it that he put up here? Because I've been seeing this all over the web with the Syrian refugees. Yeah, so he, you know, I, I have no problem difference of opinion. Just don't, if you can help it, don't let your opinion be stupid. Um, well, he can't. Uh, so the meme, the meme. In the wake of the Paris attacks, 25 Republican governors have vowed to block all Syrian asylum seekers from entering their states since one of the terrorists snuck into, the Fran into France with other Syrian refugees. In addition to being devoid of the most basic human integrity, that reaction is the height of unadulterated hypocrisy. Because whenever there is a domestic gun massacre, those same Republicans are the first to insist you can't blame all the good gun owners for the acts of a few madmen. And I replied, I'm like, look, and I was thinking, you know, this might make a nice woody meme. And it's actually not because it's really long. It takes a long time to get That's to that. That's a poorly meme. done meme. That's it's just poor meme writing, it's Nigel. Not, it's not even a picture. Um, but uh, I'm like, I'm like respe respectfully. This this is this is really bad because the argument works exact it works exactly the same in reverse. Right. I'm like, don't take this to debate class. I just for your sake, please just Well, he's not going to take it to debate class. No, he doesn't because he, he works in a church. Well, he doesn't want debate. And you said he was incredibly undisciplined, unable to work on his own and freelance, and so he works at a church. Yes. I, I'm sorry again. Yes. We were just talking about this off air. Yes. Whatever. Listen, Skylar, you can come on and argue your 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 piece, but you won't. Um a couple of things. First, it's it's. I love how they say twenty five. It's actually it's more than twenty five. I think it's thirty governors, not only Republicans. So that's a screw up. A lot of Democrats are going whoa 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 because when it comes to having blood on their hands, they don't want that. Secondly, not only does it work in reverse, it's only appropriate in reverse because it is such a small minority of gun owners who a are not ideologically driven. Your gun doesn't come with a handbook saying, by the way, kill all non gun owners. And B, yours to come. Yours just mine, came with it. I did. I said, you know, <laughs> no, that was that was just your acid trip. You got uh, it, and you had a little booklet. I thought it was the pot. Jared, kill everyone who doesn't have one of me. I will do so, Glock. Thank you. <laughs> I. Uh, it's like people name their dog dog. Why would you name your gun your gun Glock? That's sick. Yes, you are. That's sick. That's a sick thing to do. It would be a sick thing to do. Sick. Secondly, sick. owning a gun. Is a fundamental right under the Constitution, the United States, the right to bear arms. Um, that was one thing. Too, someone said, "What about human rights? What about civil rights?" Coming, being let into a foreign country is not a human right. No, it is not your birthright. It's not my birthright to waltz into Norway, say, "All right, give me a passport, bitches." <laughs> it's not my right. I can't even get a driver's license in Lillehammer for like two years. It's just not a right. Owning a gun is a right. Coming to a new country isn't a right. So you've got that. And then there's this myth of the actions of a few. All right. By the way, same same guy, Skyler, who complained about the gay bakers not baking a gay wedding cake. So that's one thing. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest, and we've talked about this, one of the biggest ironies of the left. I'm just sitting there going, okay, hold on a second. In every Muslim country, virtually, they might have a few exceptions, but in nearly all, you're killed for being gay. 
If not, it's certainly not allowed. You're certainly not getting married. You're certainly not having gay pride parades. You're certainly not dragging each other around on chokers at a Folsom Street Fair. You're just hoping that you're not brutally beaten and burned alive and the law turns a blind eye. They're missing out on the best of our culture, by the way. (laughs) Yes. Best case scenario, right? That's best case. I'm not talking terrorism. I'm talking moderate Islam. And so the left, because they feel as though Muslims have been othered, they turn a blind eye to that. And you want to bitch about the fact that people like me don't think Caitlyn Jenner's brave for getting an SP while he still has a penis? Really? Really, leftists? You're going to turn a blind eye to women being stoned to death, buried up to their neck, having their kids throw the first rocks because her husbands have simply said that she's a whore. Or she came forward and claimed that she was raped, but she failed to have the four witnesses. Therefore, she's being severely punished. Again, this is moderate Islam. These kinds of things happens in Dubai, happens in UAE, happens in Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, in Egypt for the longest... I don't know if it's still the case. I know three years ago in Egypt, if you converted from Islam, you were killed. Again, I'm not talking terrorism. I'm talking laws. I'm talking moderate Islam. You're going to turn a blind eye to that and say they live in this beautiful, peaceful culture and then get mad at me for saying that my wife is a better sandwich maker? Fantastic sandwiches, though. Fantastic sandwiches. My wife makes the great sandwiches. Also, wonderful behind. Wonderful behind my wife. A posterior fit for the gods. I'm going to rest my case and not comment. I'm just saying. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you know, every, everyone likes to point out, like, well, you're hypocritical. No, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get down to specifics, right? We say, well, it's a small minority. Hundreds of millions of Muslims across the world, majorities in countries like Saudi Arabia, like Malaysia, like Indonesia, majorities of Muslims who support Sharia law. Again, this is moderate Islam. These are the people who aren't committing terrorist acts. Okay? They're not committing terror. They're not blowing people up. But they do support, at the very least, harsh prison sentences for people who leave the faith of Islam. They do support second-class citizen rights for women. They do support super harsh punishment just for being gay. Now, I know you'll say, let's just like Republicans. No, it's not. Republicans wanting states to have the right to define marriage just as they have the right to define divorce laws is not the same as saying, you have a lisp. Have a nice trip. Oh, my God and you throw them off a roof. It's not the same thing. Saying Siegfried and Roy, you know what? You're probably not going to get married in Utah anytime soon. Why don't you waltz on down? Why don't you sashay on down to California is not the same as burning them alive with their tigers. Speaking of which, Siegfried and Roy, I hope, I don't know if Siegfried's okay, uh, totally politically incorrect tangent, that was one of those things where I got in trouble, we were like, oh, it's a horrible tragedy that Siegfried got eaten by his tiger when it happened, uh, I don't believe so, I believe if you live with tigers in your house, in your bathroom, you have tigers waltzing around your swimming pool, you're on borrowed time, if you make it out past noon without being tiger excrement, it's a bonus, that being said... I think your magic act your magic act is very silly. <laughs> and I think the tiger thing is very silly, but I don't want you to die. And I won't vote for you to die. Let's talk moderate Islam. If you're going to talk conservative Christian extremism in the United States, let's talk moderate Islam. And here's a big difference. You were talking about this this week, Jared. You know, you said you know, sometimes, yeah, obviously, as a Christian thing, you want to be sympathetic 
And, and sometimes you have to take off, and we talked about this with Mr. Cruz, and there's a web extended version. We talked about it more. Sometimes you put on your, your Christian hat, and sometimes you put on your uh, uh, America hat. Because Christianity, the faith, is it is an ideology, it is a moral filter, it is a way of life, it is a means to eternal salvation. But it is not a specifically prescribed system of law, unlike Islam. Yeah, yeah. Matthew five does not apply to government. No, it has nothing to do with it. Jesus, you, it's not, that's not my opinion. That's if you look at the context of the language that was used in the original Greek. If you look at the language that was used in context of who he was speaking to, it's not a prescription for for government law and how we should you know direct foreign policy, right? Or even domestic policy. It has nothing to do with that. And people, no. you know, these people like 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 Skyler. Love to pretend that Matthew five is the is the pinnacle of the entire Bible. Right, applies to everything you could possibly well, what, you know. We have to, to go to a, a break soon, but you're right, and I want to get more into that. But you know what? A great example: Jesus himself. He said they said talked about the needing to submit to the law, the need for a government outside of God's spiritual law. This is Christianity, whether you believe it or not. Jesus submitted himself to the law that crucified him. Didn't have to. He submitted to the law and let it happen. As a matter of fact, God used secular law to prove his law. That's one of the big ironies. He used the law in having his son crucified to prove his law, a law about sinfulness, a law about his law about eternal salvation. So it's very, very clear. That's the big difference between Chris, Christianity and Islam. That's why one can coexist with governments and one has to be government. We'll talk more about that after this break. Lighter with Crowder. This is breaking news on Lighter with Crowder. I am Perry Matheson. We are here to update you on the terrorist hostage situation in Boise, Idaho, with our field reporter on location, Jimmy. Now, Jimmy, we do have confirmed reports that armed gunmen with face masks have gone into the Boise, Idaho. Big B Coffee yelling Allahu Akbar. Is it safe to say at this point that this is an act of Islamic terrorism? No, no, it's not. It's not, Perry. We don't have that confirmed yet, okay? We haven't checked with the Methodist Church. I'm still chasing some leads with the Seventh-day Adventists. Why do you have to be such a prick? Such a well, I am hearing it sounds like behind you, again, without passing judgment, Allahu Akbar. I definitely feel that I am hearing Allahu Akbar. No, actually, this is the new lav mics you've given us, and because of the echo and the cardioid, it, the Bs sound like Ls. So you're saying that they're in fact yelling Abba Akbar? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. I'm chasing down a lead. We think this could be an Abba fan group that's gotten out of control. We don't know yet. Glad to be back. We're talking about. We're still talking about Syrian refugees. We'll get to Princeton and Dartmouth. 
Stalker Jim is tweeting us. Listen, Stalker Jim, we love you, but he's tweeting Ted Cruz going, passionate defender of the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5. Why are you running when ineligible? Stalker Jim, this is a perfect example of a losing argument. First off, it's incorrect. You're a natural-born citizen if you're born to American parents, either or. That's the law. Secondly, why? Why go after Ted Cruz if you think he's the best candidate? And you're clearly the only person outside of crazy conspiracy theorists who believe he's ineligible. I, I just don't understand it. We, we, we love you, Stalker Jim, but this is the kind of thing, this is, this is why people sometimes block you. Because you, you, and you get on that and you don't leave it alone. And here you have a guy who's an ally in every single area possible. And you attack him on something on which you're wrong. You're not going to change anything with that. It's like with the Obama birth certificate thing. You're not going to change anything with that. You're not going to win anything with that. So just shut up and move on. Move on to a better argument. You know, we've had that. We've been, Jared and I have talked about this. Sometimes you have to just shut up and move on. We, we were ripped off by some people here. You know, we have a pretty, pretty big site, YouTube channel. We've had problems. We were ripped off thousands and thousands of dollars. And at a certain point, we just go, you know what? We just got to move on to a winning argument sometimes. When nobody agrees with you, including the people who agree with you on everything else on principle, sometimes it's just time to go, you know what? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop trying to win this for myself and my ego, and let me do something that's actually productive. Just advice, Soccer Jim. We'll have you back on. I don't know. Maybe he'll unfollow me and get all upset. Who knows? You never know. Never know. Never know. Um, so we were talking about Syrian refugees. I'm curious to people who are listening. Do you think it's the? Do you feel conflicted as a Christian? Uh, saying no to the refugees. Uh, I certainly don't feel no. I, I don't feel I don't feel no thinking guilt. I don't feel any guilt at all. I really don't. I feel sympathetic, absolutely, but um, I also feel more sympathetic to the people of the United States well, who even deserve to be to safe. To me, well, like, you know, Ted Cruz has talked about this. Um, what, what makes us think that they would be better here than relocated to somewhere? I mean, could you imagine something happens, something crazy happened in the States and you being relocated to the middle of Pakistan? Could you imagine that kind of culture shock? You know, for, right. for them, I don't think it'd be best to, to... I mean, do you know they have to go through, like, all kinds of, like, cultural appropriation videos and things like that just to, as part of their, the refugee program. They have to, like, look, learn about how to bathe themselves and, stu and stuff coming into the States yeah. about what's appropriate here. I mean, there, there's... Did such, I ever tell you that weird the story of the culture in shock. New York at the cab gas station? No, but I want to hear this. Well, you know, most cab drivers in New York City are, are Muslim. Yeah. So I was in New York, and I was with a, uh, I've driven in New York City twice. So everything else is actually pretty easy. I've driven in Manhattan twice because I had to rent a car, and I was driving across the country, coming back, returning it at Hertz or Enterprise. And there are only two gas stations, I think, on the island, one up towards 98th on the east side, and then there's one. So I was driving up towards the one on the Upper East Side. And so I go in, and there's a gas line, like Jimmy Carter. There's a gas line, all yellow cabs, and then me and my Ford Focus or whatever the economy was that I rented at the time. And uh, as a matter of fact, there were such long gas lines that the pumps, Jared, had like cords that were longer than the room of this whole studio. So you could take pumps and go further because the cars couldn't actually get up next to the pumps. Sure. It was so crowded. So I'm like, okay, I, I leave my pump there and I go into the bathroom. And I, I'm, this is not a joke. This is true. I'm at the urinal, and then I'm taking care of my business, and there's basically what looks like a watering can, like you would use for a garden, and it's sitting on the urinal. Thought, okay, that's weird. And I, I go to wash my, and a guy comes up next to me, and he looks at me, 
And he's sneering at me, a Muslim gentleman. And at this point, I'm nervous. So I actually can't do my business because I'm nervous. He's looking at me, like straight in the eyes. So I get to see him leave. He reaches into the watering can on his urinal. And then I see his hand go below the divider. And I see the next guy come in. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I see him do the same thing. It was a Muslim thing where, and I had never been aware of this. If anyone out there listening knows of this, where you wash yourself after uh, partaking in numero uno. So he, they were reaching in and polishing their nub with this water from a can and uh, uh, of which every single other person had re they'd reached into this. So they're <laughs> dipping their hand and they're doing this. And um and I'm watching and they're all looking at me and it was so it was one of those things I felt so silly like how how do I not know this I had no idea I, I don't know if it's a religious thing or a or a, a, a more of a cultural deal but every single guy came in and they were looking at me like I was the weirdo because I didn't now again that's a perfect example of religion versus logic legalism versus the spirit of the law right. You're not getting cleaner by dipping your fingers into a watering can at a public urinal in a New York City gas station and rubbing that on your doniger. That's not helping anyone. It's not sanitary, but it's part of the custom. So remember that happened, and I, I read it up afterward, and it's quite common. So you've got to tell these people. I mean, imagine just, just that. You don't even think of those things. You talk about the terrorism. You talk about beating the wives, but you don't even think like, hey, where is my pool of water at the, uh, the urinal? Oh, we don't have those here. What? I'm calling the ACLU. There's a lot of little things. It's a mess. It would be best not to mention. I mean, then you get all. Derek, we're okay with the FCC, right? Since I'm talking about, I mean, I'm just mentioning. Yeah. yeah. He's like, ah, I don't care. Nub. 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 Nub's an okay word. Nub's a good. That's a good word. It's a very accurate description with myself. Horrendously small, Doniger. Go ahead, Jared. <laughs> you can't just pass off like that. <laughs> um, I don't. You know, I just think it, I just that nub running through my mind now. You, yeah, you it, ruined, well, it's, it's you true. Me. But you're right. There is. I mean, there's a lot of cultural issues, and the problem is Islam doesn't allow for you to submit to certain American ideologies. Um, it's yeah. now here's a question for you though. Yeah. Now, do you agree? I don't. Out uh, right off the bat, I don't agree that like Ted Cruz and some of people talk about screening for Christians and only accepting Christian refugees. I, do you do you have a problem with that? Do you ever see a problem with that? I think everyone who comes in needs to draw Muhammad. Draw Muhammad, you come to the United States. I mean, does they? Have, uh, I mean, how, how would kind it of could be a complimentary picture? Complimentary. It doesn't have to be a bad picture. Sure. Draw sure. Muhammad, you can come in. Here's the problem: they lie about this. It's seventy something percent are men. If you've seen the pictures, these are young, which is very, very bizarre for refugees. And I've seen numbers. I don't want to quote. They may not be entirely accurate, but I've quoted. Uh, I've seen as high as two thirds of them support ISIS or ISIS sympathetic. So definitely majority of young military-aged men coming in. You don't generally see that with refugees, which tells you either A, they're leaving their women and children, uh, or B, they've never had families, in which case they're that perfect prime military age likely to be indoctrinated. Oh, oh crap, I forgot. We have Michelle Malkin coming up here after the break. Lighter with Crowder, Michelle Malkin. This is breaking news louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Matheson. Breaking, we now have a confirmed statement issued from ISIS confirming their involvement and carrying out of the recent terrorist attack in Boise, Idaho. Jimmy, 
Have you read this statement yet on what do you make of it on the ground? Well, no, I haven't yet. And we're not entirely sure as to what's legitimate, what is not legitimate. We would not want to be intolerant or xenophobic in any way. But I do have some strong leads right now, Perry, suggesting that this is a false statement from ISIS put out by Halliburton. Well, you heard it here first. We will keep you abreast as the story develops on Louder with Crowder. You're listening to L- L- Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Louder with So glad to have this next guest. She was the first guest on this program. Oh my gosh, I'm blocking the camera here. Uh, her new book is out, sold out, How High-Tech Billionaires and Bipartisan Beltway Crap Weasels Are Screwing America's Best and Brightest Workers, and I can bet that's a uh, censored title that went back and forth with the publisher. You can find her at michellemalkin.com. Mrs. Malkin, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure, Steve. <laughs> but I don't, you know, everyone has to say that, but this show is not always that case. So, okay. Full disclosure, um, my wife did not let me know that there was a package in the mail. It came this week, so I haven't read all of it. I've only read through a chapter here today. Um, But uh, I I want you to describe the book for people out there who may not know about it. And the one thing that strikes me here is we've been painted, I guess, conservatives as the party of big banks and and supporting corporate cronies. You kind of tip that myth and and put it on its head in this book, don't you? Well, I do. Uh, It it was... um... It was a great opportunity to go back to my investigative journalism roots, and there really is a, a line that you could draw between invasion, which is my very first book, um, chronicling all the ways in which lax immigration enforcement paved the way for the 9-11 terrorist attacks, to culture of corruption, which talked about all of the backroom crony deals and uh, all the back scratching and um, obviously the ideological uh, and, um, you know, the, the campaign finance reporting that went into um, that book and compiling everything sure. that we now see, you know, come to fruition with the Obama administration. And in a way, sold out is sort of like a combination of invasion and culture of corruption on steroids, because it, it takes a look at something that's been neglected in all of the the uh, ha over immigration policies, and that is the entire plethora of these alphabet suits of, of visa programs, guest worker rackets, um, which are the result of collusion between big government and big business. And my co-author, John Miano, is a software programmer turned lawyer who himself witnessed um, what we're seeing more now of uh, these stories coming out of American workers who have been forced to, retrain, to train their cheap foreign substitutes who are H-1B visa holders. And right. Uh, that program celebrates its 25th anniversary, and it's definitely time, high time, that we re-examine the, the consequences and impact of it on American workers and American sovereignty. And in fact, it is now at the center of uh, much of the debate of the GOP presidential field, and we really feel that, that, that we have contributed to forcing that issue to the forefront. No, I, think you're, I don't think it would be an issue at all, if not discussed by the GOP. Um, so... When you talk about that, 
I guess as far as solution, you know, do people go as far as as sort of uh, like Trump idea protectionism where we're just going to punish anyone who's not here in the States? How far do we go while, 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 while keeping things free and open and still looking out for the United States' best interests? Because I'm sure you'll get criticism from, from all sides on that. Well, I think, first of all, people really need to be informed and educated about uh, the roots of the program itself, what was uh, supposedly guaranteed in the law when it was created 25 years ago in the 1990 immigration so-called reform law. Mm-hmm. And part of, part of the deal was that uh, before any American company was able to bring over this you know, cheap foreign pipeline of workers who are not the best and brightest around the world, I think that's one of the biggest myths, um, there were basic American worker protections. And I think that protectionism has come, become a bad word mm-hmm. when, in fact, As as it's supposed to be enforced in the law, um, it's about uh, protecting American sovereignty. And each and every one of our immigration and entrance programs is supposed to be created to benefit America first. I mean, the preamble to the Constitution says uh, to secure the blessings of liberty, not for every uh, tech journeyman worker around the world who wants to come here and work for $1.21 an hour, is to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And I say this, obviously, as somebody who is a child of legal immigrants. My uh, father came here 45 years ago offering a highly specialized skill. He was one of the few um, training uh, neonatologists um, who was here in the country. He went to Johns Hopkins. He was the creme de la creme. But when you actually look at the data of the people who are coming here on H-1B visas, uh, they are mediocre and subpar in the kind of of, uh, technical skills that they bring. And obviously that's exposed by the fact that it it is high-skilled American workers who are forced to to train them and provide them with all the skills they need to do their job, which is then offshored back to India or China. How in any way does that benefit our country? That's a good point. What would you say, I guess, to people who would are, like, let's take Carly Fiorina's example. I know you're not a big fan uh, in certain respects and in some some others, maybe so. What would you say to people who say, well, sometimes if a company is going to go under, it's better to outsource, say, 30,000 jobs than just lose 80,000 overall for the company? Or do you think that if the company can't make it uh, by employing American workers that, well, that's just the dice they roll? Well, I think that the the problem that John and I have uh, is that you have these free enterprise preaching American companies that really act as American in name only. And what they want to do is exploit the power of government and these programs to rig the market. Uh, And, you know, that is evident in many of the appendices that we include in the book where you've got collusion between Google and Apple um, behind the scenes, behind closed doors, fixing wages. Right. Uh, and um, and the fact is that w- w- one of the biggest pieces of propaganda that we bust wide open is this idea from the H-1B cheerleaders and, and their propagandists that, that there is some severe tech worker shortage in America. And it is absolutely the biggest lie that's been concocted over the last quarter century, because the fact is that one third to one half of all of tech jobs are now taken by these H-1B visa holders. Right. And meanwhile, you have 11 million out of 15 million American STEM diploma holders who are unable to find jobs. Right. Yeah. You know, I've always sort of live by the philosophy. There's a simplistic version of be American, buy American. I said, well, hold on, be, be American, buy the best. 
But then there is an irony in that a lot of these big companies are not producing the best, but they're able to become and stay big companies because the government subsidizes people who aren't the best. Uh, I'm not really into the, the party politics of big business or small business. I'm the party of good business, and that's whether you're big or small. Do you think um, do you think a lot of people miss that when they think about conservatives? They think about them as these big bank people. As the, and I think some of them are. Listen, we have some people in the Republican Party who I know you've spoken out against um, adamantly. But um, big government uh, always favors big business and smaller, middle of the road businesses uh, tend to benefit from less intervention. Do you think that's a point that isn't driven home enough from the right? Because if I'm running for office right now, that would be a focal point for me. Am I off base? Yes, it, it absolutely isn't emphasized by enough of, of the Republican Party, and that's because so many of them are in the hip pockets of these big business CEOs and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And it affects both um, ends, both, 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 both parts of the spectrum of, of the wage scale. Because on the one hand, you've got the likes of Marco Rubio and Jeb, Jeb Bush ser- serving their H-1B visa expansionist masters. And, and it's not a coincidence that these, of course, are the same people who espouse massive illegal alien amnesties, also supported by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, as, as much as I have many, 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 many disagreements uh, with Donald Trump, who has called me, me, a dummy and stupid, the one, thing that. That he, the one thing that he is not stupid about is resonating with ordinary American um, workers and American business owners who do not want any intervention at all. They just want to be left alone. And, um, you know, he was one of the few. Um, and, you know, we give credit in, in the last chapter of the book to those Republican candidates who are, have been at least more than superficially aware um, of the impact of, of these programs. And that includes Rick Santorum and most recently even Mike Huckabee. Of course, he's been open borders on amnesty for a long time, but even right. now he's changing his tune. Uh, and Ted Cruz last week, who uh, is delicately pivoting on this issue as well after calling for quintupling the number of H-1B visas and buying into a lot of the tech worker shortage propaganda. Uh, but there are a lot of good people on, on Capitol Hill who have finally exposed um, the program. And I think the, the one talking point that is most annoying to us and that we're really trying to educate people on is it's not, it's not that there is abuse in the program. The fact is the entire program is a, abuse. The right. entire program is fraudulent. Uh, and we took great pains to amass uh, um, um, an amazing amount of data and analysis. Journalists are lazy. And the Washington Press Corps, in, in particular, of course, is so ideologically bent on the open borders agenda, whether it's, you know, on the, the these legal guest worker programs or on the illegal alien amnesty side. And we're trying to circumvent all that and, you know, really reach people, you know, where they can assess the information for themselves. And, you know, open source is what my entire journalism career has been all about. People need to just do their own homework and judge the facts for themselves. Well, that's what's so funny is you have a formal you know, background in journalism and you talk about investigative journalism, but you've always, I mean, when I first came on the scene, you and, and Andrew Breitbart were kind of the people, you know, if you could if you could speak with them and pick their brain. And you were always a huge champion of the blogger, of the person with nothing but a website. You put them, as long as their information was accurate, on the same playing field as uh, mainstream journalism. So um, that's one thing. I think, you know, when you, when you say that and people, they go, well, yes, exactly. So we can't trust anyone without a journalism degree. Um, 
there is such a disdain right now for people online. I mean, I, I'm a comedian. I'm an entertainer. I always tell people, don't just use my site as your own reference for information. But we adhere to more journalistic ethics than most people out there. If something is wrong, we correct it. Uh, if we make a joke that is maybe really inaccurate or misleading, we're like, oh, by the way, that's a joke. Um, what do you think? Obviously, this book is necessary, but even more necessary is is cutting through what the journalists have sold, right? This is racist. This is racist. This is anti-immigrant is what they'll tell you. How do you see the state of modern journalism going? Yeah, well, um, I think the dinosaur media obviously has been upended since the days of Drudge and right. Breitbart uh, and, you know, the rise of the blogosphere. And now we're sort of in a post-blogosphere era with, you know, so many sources bombarding us. And um, I think it really is sort of an educational mission um, to get people to hone their radars. And and for me, of course, transparency has been, you know, one of my number one rules of ethics, hyperlinking everything, citing everything. There's a reason why each and every one of the six books that uh, I've written over the years has, has hundreds of pages of, of end notes that, that people can check. There's a reason why, you know, after 400 pages of culture cor- of corruption, the Ob- Obama administration, the Obama campaign couldn't find one single thing wrong right. um, or one thing, single thing libelous or slanderous that, that I had said. Well, they probably and, audited you, know, you, though, I would bet. <laughs> um, and, and I think that the thing that I'd say with, you know, with, with all of this cacophony, you know, especially in the sort of clickbaity era of... Ugh of social media on, on the right is that when people actually have new information to bring to the fore, when they're breaking something, when they're offering a new perspective and, um, you know, when they do the things that, that you do just in terms of immediately seeing through false narratives and being able to respond um, quickly um, in, in, in decimating um, the, this agenda and, and these arguments, that's when you're most effective. And, and honestly, uh, of all the things that I've done all the years, it's books like this that, that are the most edifying to do, certainly more than, you know, two-minute hits on TV. <laughs> sure. One second. We're going to go to the web-extended version where you don't have to say crap, so you can say whatever. The book is sold out. If you're listening on radio, lotterwithcrowder.com, we do an extended web-only version. Michelle Malkin knows all about that. Lyle, didn't see you there. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just relaxing and enjoying my 1978 Bordeaux, a fine beverage, after a fine game of racquetball at the Wimbledon. There's no more quality establishment than the Wimbledon, you know. That sounds fun. I don't really know a whole lot about wine. That's why I go to simplifiedwine.com. Or I just call their number. What's that number, Jared? 844-297-WINE. Oh, where'd he come from? His voice aggravates me. I have him chained to a caravan. For simpletons like me who don't know a whole lot about wine, just what I like, it makes it easy. I either get to call, go to the website, talk with a sommelier, list what I like, what I don't like, my budget, and can have it shipped directly to my door, or gift-wrapped and sent to a friend. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Simplified wine, you say? I prefer more of a barrier to entry. (laughs) I know you do, Lyle, but you're an elitist bastard. That's why for simpletons like me, I prefer simplifiedwine.com or just calling 844-297-WINE.
Glad to be back. Michelle Malkin, we have a, a seriously extended web uh, version of that interview. We sat down with her also earlier this week to get some more going. Nice lady. She's cool. Nice little lady, cute little Filipino. Uh, Filipino. Filipino-American. Marginalized minorities, brah. So this is a short segment until we go into the top of the hour. Um, I wanted to talk about something here real quick. We'll, we'll talk about Syrian. I mean, I know that's what everyone's talking about this week because it's just constant terror attacks. And, and Molly, we don't know exactly what's happening. So if you're listening to this later in the week on the podcast, we apologize. It's still developing. Something I do know definitively that we know definitively. I wrote about this on the website. 2015 can be seen definitively as the year liberalism's chickens came home to roost. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let's think about this for a second. We've been told how great Barack Obama's been for national security because Osama bin Laden was killed. We've been told how great the economy is because unemployment is at an all-time low. We've been told how tolerant and how much of a uniter Barack Obama would be in the United States. He would cause healing to take place. Right now, our economy is probably one of the worst ever. Now, people say unemployment. Well, actually, job participation is at an all-time low. Since October 1977, we've never had fewer people working. 62% of Americans are participating in the job force right now. So you can say unemployment is lower. That's because people aren't looking for jobs. They're not even considered a part of the job force. Many of them are on the government teat, which is what liberals want anyways. That's how leftists want society to function. They want the welfare state. And it's funny. People say, you say welfare state. That's what Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton say. When you watch the Democratic debates, I know they put them on a late Saturday night running opposite a UFC event. And I think the next one is on Super Bowl Sunday uh, opposite the Super Bowl on Telemundo. They don't want you to see the debates. They put them at the worst times where no one watches them. Why? Because they know they say crazy stuff, but they don't want the media to catch up on it. So um, they use the word welfare state. That's what leftists want. We have the lowest job participation rate right now than ever. That's bad for the economy. That's really bad. If you, people aren't working, that's bad for the economy. And the, most of the jobs that were created, obviously, that they claim they've created are simply government jobs, which are, of course, not real jobs. They're taking the money from you to create busy work. They're just creating busy work. But that sounds great, doesn't it? Come work for the government. You get free money. Yeah, but who's giving you that money? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. Yeah, exactly. National security. Since basically abandoning Iraq, a vacuum was created. Unstable Middle East. Uh, Barack Obama said ISIS was contained. Actually, global terrorism has increased a whopping 80%. And ISIS is more powerful than ever. We now have Syrian refugees wanting to come in. Several have been caught with fake passports trying to get in. Refugees have been caught as terrorists in the Paris attacks. So I'm from Belgium. Boston bombers. Bombers. Terrorists. So national security is at an all-time low. We have a lowest job participation rate. We have ISIS and global terrorism more prevalent and powerful than ever. And then, of course, the first black president. The racial divide was going to be bridged. There was going to be some healing, right? Right now, you have people who believe that racial tensions are worse than ever at an all-time high. Right now, you have kids on campus just this week. Princeton, Black Lives Matter. Students listed their demands. Black-only cultural spaces. In the name of equality, they're demanding segregation. For the first time since the civil rights in the United States, you have people literally demanding segregated spaces. 
No word yet as to whether they want black and white drinking fountains and if white people should be at the back of the bus. But they do want black-only spaces. So we're more racist for fake reasons. When Barack Obama says, my son would look like Trayvon, when we come out and say, these students, really, their voices need to be heard, and you give them legitimacy when they're absolute and total brats, who've, like many of them, have gotten into college because of affirmative action, who are there, who think that the, the dean of Yale or president of Yale, they told him his job was to create a safe space for people, to create a home. His job wasn't to educate. I mean, Yale, Princeton, Mitsu, Black Lives Matter, Baltimore, by the way, Baltimore, most violent year, Baltimore's history, most violent homicide rate ever, ever in their history. So we've got the economy, lowest job participation rate since 1977. National security, do you really think we're safer? But Osama bin Laden's dead. Great. Now we've got ISIS, the most brutal people. Tim Kennedy was talking about this. The most brutal people we've had to deal with. Awful, awful people, and they're more powerful than ever. Global terrorism, 80% higher. Healing, bridging, reaching across the aisle. This has been the most partisan president in history. And, of course, the United States is more racially divided than it's ever been in my lifetime. You have Black Sean King, DeRay, saying this is worse, at least as bad, if not worse, than the civil rights era. So 2015 is the year the economy went to crap, national security ceased to be, and all of a sudden, all Americans, all white Americans became more racist than ever and needed to be reprimanded and need, needed to be held accountable. In 2015. Here's the point. You can only push that off for so long. You can only uh, put in so so many stimulus packages and create so many fake government jobs until you start looking at the uh, the job participation rate. You can only start being politically correct and, and kicking the terrorism fighting can down the road until that comes back to bite you. You can only start saying uh, Trayvon would be my son or talk about police brutality or say that we need to give these people enough space to destroy in Baltimore and cater to them. Until you see the worst homicide rate in the country ever. Until you see campuses in complete and total upheaval and racial tensions worse than ever. You can only do that for so long. You can only pass the same thing with Social Security eventually. You can only pass that tab down for so long. Well, guess what? It's 2015. You think this is a great year for America? You think this is progress? You think we're more united, we're safer, and have a stronger economy than ever? If you do, go ahead, tweet me, at S. Crowder. I don't know, I think anyone with even a, a semblance of logic would say 2015, that's a rough year. That's a crazy, it's craziest year of news in my life. You know what? It's the year leftism's chickens came home to roost. The bill's here. It's pretty big. It's bigger than Applebee's. It's not a two for 20. Louder with Crowder, stay tuned. This is breaking news on Louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Matheson. We are here to update you on the breaking situation, the terrorist attack in Boise, Idaho, with our field reporter, Jimmy. Jimmy, now, oh, God. Jimmy, do, do they have a knife to your throat? Is that, am I seeing that correctly? Well, um, I seem to have gotten myself into a bit of a hairy situation here. Harry. Are you okay? Do we need to send security? 
no, it was my fault. Um, I, in fact, I didn't realize that with these, you know, freedom fighters, they do not want to be called terrorists. It was my fault. I did, uh, in fact, provoke. Um, I did provoke this by using the improper non-gender neutral pronouns. Getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to So glad to be back. What's funny is as, of course, I am your host, Stephen Crowder. Louder with Crowder.com. My host, uh, my host no not a host not giving him that authority my producer in studio as always is not gay jared uh that's what he claims as i hit the mute button as he hits the mute buttons as i discuss this trending on twitter is fight unfair and there's a picture of that woman without breasts orlando bloom and this is here's the funny thing when leftists try and say conservatives are lying when they say the refugees uh syrian refugees are mostly men it's women and orphans right that's what they say this is from unicef Right now, I'm looking at a picture. Jared, can you bring that up on the screen? I'm looking at a picture right now. Can you see it? This is from UNICEF, Orlando Bloom. It says, unfair is, so this is the best stat they can trot out. One in five refugees and migrants arriving in Europe are children. One in five. That means 80% aren't. So in their attempt to refute it, all they're doing is rewording it. Just so you know, nowhere else in the history of immigration is 80% young, able-bodied men with only, at most, let's say 30% women and children. That doesn't happen. These are, by the way, I think Chris Matthews made this point. Um, they're trying to say we don't believe you know one and one anyone there is a, is a, is is a terrorist. So none of them are willing to fight for their country? None of these immigrants? If you bring in 100,000, none of them are willing to fight for their country? If you had 100,000 American men, you wouldn't be able to find a 10% who'd be willing to fight for their country? None of them are willing to fight for their country? They're just fleeing? So, which tells you either one of two things. They uh, are willing to fight for their country outside of their country, or they're complete and total cowards who you don't want in the United States. We don't need any more wussies with a capital P. By the way, do you know what they would say in these Muslim countries if a woman, if an actual American woman wanted to immigrate? You know, you're in Syria, you're in Turkey, you're in Egypt, right? And a woman comes in wearing, not not provoc, not dressed provocatively, just a mini skirt and a sweater. They'd look right at her. Why don't you go back to your home on Whore Island? You're not welcome there. <laughs> you are not welcome there. So right here on my screen, unfair is one in... This is the liberal talking point. One in five refugees Here's the, here's the funny children. to me. People try to... I mean, I'm okay with... Let's, let's talk about this debate. Let's argue. Let's just not use stupid arguing points. To argue that, oh, women, children, there's... They've never done anything like terrorist activity before ever. Well, I mean, the, firstly, the, before we get that, four out of five aren't. 
But I mean, I mean, the Boston <laughs> Bombers were kids when they came over. I mean, to act like there's no chance that a, a ch- child could either grow into, you know, oh, what were daddy's roots? Let me look back through the books and see what daddy was up to. I never met him. Have you seen the Mickey oh. Mouse they watch in Palestine? The Mickey Mouse that comes out? Have you seen that? It's like, no. translated it like, we all chase the Jew. We must kill the Jew. Talking to little kids. That's their Mr. Rogers. Can you say I'm special? Can you say <laughs> kill the Jews? That's what they do. They're indoctrinated from a very, very young age. I'd like to Mortal Kombat our Mr. Rogers against theirs sometime. I would love that'd to. That'd be fantastic. I think he Something tells me Mr. Rogers up. could throw down. Well, you know, his, he, he wore the, the sweaters because he was like, he was all, he was, he was tatted up all down. I arms. don't think that's true. No, it's true. It's true. He, he, he has deaths to his name because he, he was, I forget which war he fought in. Um, Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers. He was, yeah, he was in the military. He had, he had death count. Hold on. I'm Googling this. No. I'm calling BS on this. No. Mr. Rogers. No, tattoos. I'm Googling this right now. Mr. Rogers tattoos. Google. Google it. Google it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm going to pull up your shirt. No, I see it. No, I see an image of him in a t-shirt. I'm not saying he was all tatted up, but I'm saying that's, that's what I've but, always But he, heard. the part he would need to cover up. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. It says there are no tattoos. Well, in any case, oh, he, had, he had deaths to his name, though. 15 interesting facts about Mr. Rogers. Less noise. Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister. Yep, 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 yep. He was a vegetarian. Contrary to rumors, was never contrary to rumors spread on the internet. Mr. Rogers was never a sniper in the military, nor was the reason he wore sweaters because he had tattoos all over his arms or body, one for each person he killed. Ah, I'm calling these and other similar rumors first started on the internet around 1994 and saw a surge in popularity after his death. Mr. Rogers never served in the military and was a pacifist. Ah, hey, hey. We issue apologies when we're wrong here on Ladder with Crowder. And apologies. That's what I've always heard. I mean, I, I can't be the one, only one who's ever heard that, though. <laughs> it's just you are incorrect. Uh, incorrect. You are completely incorrect. Well, I learn something new every day. There you go. Your punishment must be masturbated. I've always heard that, though. You, have you never heard those rumors? I'd I've heard them, heard but I've also, uh, you know, I've had a, a filter through which I run them, and I go, that's probably very unlikely. Yeah. Well... Well, whatever. Listen, man. I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say most of our listeners are probably just as surprised as I am. That it's not true? That's not true. Eh, Well, listen, you you hear that every day. So one in five are children. Like you said, the only people at this point, this is kind of like Democrats and the gun issue. They are so out of touch with Americans. The only people right now who are saying we need to just let the refugees in are liberal politicians and bloggers. The FBI themselves don't have any faith in this in the process. No, no. And, and many Americans don't even know that, but they intrinsically don't have faith in, in the process. Or, mm, this is this probably. So people who would pull the lever for Hillary Clinton are Democrats right now. I bet you a significant portion of them are not comfortable with this. So it's. It, I think in the long run, it'll be a losing issue. Well, I think, I think for, for a lot of people, the fear of... of Syrian refugees is 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 eclipsed only by their fear of incompetence in our government, which they've proven over and over again to be. Yeah, it's they true. can't do anything right. That's a good point. I mean, these are the same people that were supposed to vet the Syria or the uh, the Boston bombers. I mean, how much easier can it get than that? They've they've been in the states for forever. Well, and the problem is, they guys. always want to blame us. You know, they go the liberal. We've talked about it this week. They're you know at Salon or HuffPo. They go, it's time to you know look at yourselves. ISIS was created by the United States. Al Qaeda was created by the United States. 
Boston bombers were created by the United States, by alienation of the Muslim world, by invading their countries. Okay, what about Saudi Arabia? What about Pakistan? What about Indonesia? What about Malaysia? What about Turkey? What about Egypt? What about, I mean, Jordan? What about Iraq? What about Iran? What about all of these countries? What about every single Islamic country in the history of ever? Did we create their crappery? Is that America's fault? Is it all our fault? Speaking of which, half the countries you mentioned aren't even taking refugees. No, no, I love that so funny. Hey, 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 listen, Muslim world, we'll take the refugees, you first. And that's one thing people don't want to talk about. Islam well, is a horrendously uncharitable organization. They do not do the global charity. They're not going over and helping with AIDS in Africa. They're not sending a, a ton of aid to the United States. They're not the ones in there working with Haiti uh, en masse. Occasionally, they'll help other Muslims in their mosque, but it is not a part of their religion. They're not called to be charitable and to help the well, outside know, of the Islamic world. Uh, not to refute that, because that is very true. But the UAE, I know the UAE has donated per per GDP, has donated the most to the Syrian crisis. Right. But they're not taking any refugees because they don't even acknowledge conveniently a, a refugee process. I mean, they're building fake islands out of right. out of you know coal and all kinds of crap in their backyard. They can have they can afford. Fake islands. Well, they've also said, to... they've openly said because of the threat of terrorism. Well, yeah. I they've mean, openly said that. They're coming in and getting their visas. I, I didn't know that around, per GDP. I know you per United, GDP. I knew the United States gave way more overall. Dollar per dollar. Do, dollar for dollar, yes. The, uh, the U.S., no one's to talk about that. Right. Because, you know, we've given more to this crisis than anyone. But still, per GDP, UAE, UAE has no. done more. Good but, for them. You know, that's a perfect example. UAE, people see as very moderate. You know, they've even filed CARE as a terrorist organization, the organization with which clock bomb suitcase boy Ahmed uh, worked legally. Um, on the flip side, there's a woman there who in the UAE was raped. And when she came forward, she had to flee. An English woman, I think a reporter, because she faces a prison sentence because she didn't have the proper witnesses. So even the UAE, even though they seem really moderate and they're willing to recognize terrorism, again, they're anti-terrorist. Good for them. Good for them, UAE. Good for you. The moderate Islam still kind of sucks. And they'll, they'll say, well, in, you know, for example, in Turkey, not a majority of the citizens, and this is true, not a majority of the citizens support uh, Sharia law. But now their leader does. But by the way, Saudi Arabia just made it terrorism to be an atheist. So all you libertarian atheists, if you can let that pot clear from your basement for a second, prison for being an atheist in Saudi Arabia. Then people can say, well, Malaysia is actually, you know, most of them do support Sharia law, the citizens, but the government is much more moderate. And, and what happens with Christians isn't that if you convert, isn't that bad? And what, you know, women, generally speaking, it's more culturally voluntary, the mistreatment, but it's not law. So either way, you have to, in every single Muslim country, every single one, there's something that you have to excuse drastically. Uh, and in most, it's, it's all inexcusable. So it's really important if you're listening, don't argue about terror. Don't say, well, you know what? Not every terrorist, not every Muslim is a terrorist, but every terrorist is a Muslim. That is true. But don't even argue the terrorism point. Or let's argue the moderate Islam point. Let's argue the Syrian refugee who comes in who is not a terrorist. At best, at best, they're a Bernie Sanders voter who's going to live on the public toll. These are not people who are educated. These are not people who are going to be coming over and creating businesses in the same way that first wave American immigrants did. These are not people who respect our rule of law or, or even your secular rights. I'm not talking about terrorism. Best case scenario, they're a Bernie Sanders voter who want to have the right to legally beat their wife and they hate gay people. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, it's a Trojan horse for terrorists. But you don't need to argue terrorism on the Syrian refugees.
It's a big problem. It's not. I wouldn't even say it's the biggest problem. Louder with Crowder. We'll be back. This is Breaking News on Louder with Crowder. I'm Perry Matheson, updating you on the Boise, Idaho terrorist attack. We go back to field reporter Jimmy. Jimmy, last time we spoke with you, the gentleman in question had a knife to your throat. Is everything back to normal? Yes, everything here is very peaceful. I would like to say, as Jimmy, that there is no God but Allah. Now, hold, hold on. That's quite clear that that's not Jimmy. That is the masked gentleman behind Jimmy moving his mouth with what appears to be an attached broomstick and pipe cleaners. Am I seeing that correctly? No, no. This is Jimmy, and I would like to talk about Allah and Muhammad dead to America. We are coming for all of you! Son of a crap, they're coming for the studio! Glad to be back. Just got this report sent to me on Twitter. Thank you. I'll find your name afterward. Um, we'll write about this on the site if it's true. I need to make sure that the methodology from Angel Official. Thank you for sending this. This comes to us from Express. You so okay? Seems seems like it could be uh, legitimate. Don't know for sure, but uh, I'm looking at the hyperlinks here. So this is happening in real time. New study from the Clarion Project. Forty-two million Muslims. Support ISIS. 8.5 million Muslims view ISIS positively, and 42 million view them somewhat positively, according to the data. And a third of British Muslims believe uh, blame the police for the radicalization of young people, not terrorists. And a poll found that one in four actually had sympathy or supported those who travel to war-torn Syria to fight alongside terror groups as ISIS. So 42 million Muslims. 42 million Muslims support ISIS. Westboro Baptist membership, 14. And dwindling every year. Yeah, I think it's actually it's listed officially as at 40, but I think it's more like 14, and half of them are the guy's family members. So, okay, let's say it's a really small portion. Again, this is a small sample group. This is supporting ISIS specifically, right? For example, you can love soccer. I hate soccer. So let's say Muslims are soccer, right? You can still love soccer and hate specific teams. Maybe some of these people don't like ISIS. Kind of like you have some Egyptians who maybe don't like Jordanians. Um, so that's where under the umbrella of Sharia law, you have hundreds and hundreds of millions of Muslims who support it. And then you only, uh, you only have about 42 million who support ISIS themselves. You have 42 million who, if you gave them a signature ISIS limited edition jersey, would wear that crap. 
Really spectacular. Spared no expense. I would buy that jersey. They're nice jerseys. They're, they're collective well items. They're well, they're well made. They're well made jerseys. I don't know. 42 million. That's enough for... Co- it, is it all Muslims? No. 42 million? Is that a cause for concern? Eh. I'd say... I'd put it on... I'd put it on my watch list. <laughs> it should probably be on at least one of your radars. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, oh, damn. 42 million people on there. Even even just the number of 8.5 completely positively view ISIS. And then an additional 42 million... Uh, oh, sorry, total 42 million view them somewhat positively. I think the biggest stadium in the States, I think, is actually Michigan University. 105,000. Yeah. So, ten. I mean, just one of those teams. That's a lot of fans. University of Michigan, yeah. Picture, picture how many of those? What would it be? Like, I'm really terrible at math. Um, the full of well, okay, let's, let's take the for, U of M stadium. <laughs> let's take the U of M stadium, multiply it by 10. You're at a million. Then multiply that by 40. So there you go. So you need 400. 400 Michigan University. That's University a lot of fans. Stadiums, They've got a lot of support. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of... Uh, and they'd be decapitating people in the middle of that stadium because that's what they do in these countries as part of their uh, part of their halftime show. We complain about a little bit of nipple from Janet Jackson. They're, yes. going, full, they're going full Quentin Tarantino, they, Eli Roth yeah. decapitation. It's a lot of Cracker Jacks. Oh, my God. To pass out. Mm. Not hot dogs, though. I'm at like this point. I love doing this show, and I love speaking with you, dear listener. I'm just, I've hit the exhaustion point with it. I don't know. I mean, you know what? Let's move to this. Let's move to a, it just keeps coming, man. That's the problem. It gets tiring. It gets tiring when it's, it's all the time. And the only reason we have to argue it is because so many people still want to deny it. It gets to be... Is anyone else just exhausted and burnt with this? This has been one of the most exhausting weeks of my life. I think it's been one of the... Like you said, one of the craziest years we've ever existed. And then I think this has particularly been some of the craziest couple of weeks. Two weeks. We go from Mitsu and all of that right into terrorist attacks. And then today, Mali, you know we're not going to get a break today. We're going to have to work through the whole day to talk about and cover this stuff. I mean, we well, don't... Well, I mean, we don't because that's, it's Africa. We don't, we don't cover those things. That's it's, right. Nobody cares about nobody Africa. Nobody cares about apparently. Africa. No one covers. Did you see that about uh, Sally Cohn? Sally Cohn, uh, she was tweeting a lot. She's all angry that no one covered uh, a certain. I forget which t- attack she was talking about, but she was like, "Yeah, the media never cover this, but all oh, they cover France." Everyone's like, got, was right on top of her, like, uh, "You, you, you are the media. Let's look through your timeline, Sally. Let's look through your timeline." She didn't cover it. She didn't cover it. It's all over Twitchy. Pretty funny. Stalker Jim is mad at us. This is one thing I do love is when these things ruin your day a little bit. It's just <laughs> <laughs> he said it's hypocritical of you as hell to belittle Bruce Jenner and fanboy over Ronda Rousey. I actually don't really like Ronda Rousey. I've yeah. never liked Ronda Rousey. I've just liked when she pisses off liberals with some of her answers. That was a big thing that happened this week. Ronda Rousey lost the title. That's all over the place. Stalker Jim, we love you. We just don't agree with you on everything. But uh, this is why it's tough for me to go to bat for you to get other people to unblock you. We have sent letters. We have sent letters. I've spoken. Yeah. We went to bat for you with, with Dana and her husband and said, unblock you. But when you, when you behave this way, it makes it really hard for us to go to some people who've blocked you who you want us to get them to unblock you. It makes it hard. I'm putting my name on the line here, and sometimes you get a little bit prissy, Stalker Jim. That was a nice mental break there, talking about Stalker Jim. It's a good mental break. I feel it's a good uh, mental break. I feel, I feel reset. I feel refreshed, kind of like I had some nice iced tea. Oh, my God. There's more terrorism. Just filled up my page. That's like it's all it is. It's like it's like pornography pop-ups of terrorism on my laptop. 
Hopefully not combining the two because that gets some really dark places of the internet. Mitsu universities, then Paris attacks, and we go fifteen. We go to Ma yeah. Five worse. How could they get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. That's where we're at. That's exactly where we are. These last two weeks have been so tough. I'm just sitting. I picked the wrong week. Quit sniffing blue. Sometimes the soundboard is a mental break for me. It is when I get so tired. Like, do I have to formulate? Do I really have to formulate my own thoughts? Can't I just let <laughs> Chevy Chase do it for me? Well, we'll talk about after the break. Since we've been talking a lot about terrorism, I do want to talk specifically about what happened at Dartmouth. Oh, Stalker Jim saying it's okay. I'm done. I don't know if that means he's done listening to the show. You never know. So at Dartmouth, there was an incident in the library, which was pretty severe. So it's, we've moved, and then Princeton. So we'll talk about this. We sort of we broached the subject. We'll give you a little bit of that because you know what? <laughs> they were also, by the way, these social justice warriors in college campuses. Their main concern with Paris was that it would steal the spotlight from their real plight of not having black only spaces, water fountains, and re education camps. Louder with Crowder will re educate you after this. Jared, what are you doing? Shoot, bagger. With what? My AR-15. Where'd you get it? AR-15.com. Oh, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. Thank God for AR-15.com. They have AR-15 and accessories for sale and the best advice there is on the web. Oh, no, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. With your what? AR-15. From where? AR-15.com. That's the best place to go, and that's the takeaway, because this commercial's about to stop. I'm going to do the things that I Dancing to happy songs, having a good time. We're going to move from the Middle East in the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of Muslims who support ISIS and terrorism, despite what you want to believe, you dumbass, and move to college campuses. Hold on to your butts. I will, Samuel Jackson. Thank you very much. And check your privilege, sir. We forgot to announce, though, real quick. We forgot to announce that we did announce the uh, the winner of the AR-15. We did announce the AR-15 winner. That's that's true. I'm sorry. I that's, forgot uh, to announce. That's uh, I, I mean, reported they've already killed dozens of people. The winner, actually, people don't believe he exists. We're going to get a picture up, is Peter Broughton. Peter Broughton, actually, which is fun. He's a medical school student in Ohio. So we're in the process right now of confirming his FFL. So they run the background checks, and uh, he didn't know who his nearest certified FFL was. So uh, Peter Broughton, thank you very much for answering. By the way, if, if you see Peter, uh, he is. There is a warrant for his arrest. He's killed lots of people already. This is true. That's which, people, is why, which is why. Which is why he needs the AR-15. AR-15s. That's what they do with them. That's what they they need. They need. He needs more. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's trying to get actually. He just wanted the ammo, but we sent him the gun too. This is so, true. I mean, yes. He, he was very, very specific in wanting them to be armor-piercing, yeah, which was, I thought was, I actually thought was pretty refreshing. It was, because at the range, it gets boring. It gets, yep. it gets boring. It gets very there's, boring there's at stoppers the stoppers at the end, Ugh. You want the armor-piercing bullet. So, we move now to <laughs> college campuses. We talked about Princeton. Did you see the story here at Dartmouth? We actually can't play the clip. So, what we have it up on the website, but we can't play it because it's too profane. 
So in Princeton now, they're demanding black-only spaces, and um, they want the president to resign. What's so funny is they list their demands. So here's Princeton first. We demand cultural competency training for all staff and faculty. Re-education. We demand a cultural space on campus dedicated specifically to black students. Segregated space. So we want to put everyone in school through re-education camps. This is a demand from Black Lives Matter. And then a demand is a black-only space. Here's my question. What happens if a white person or an Asian goes into the black-only space? Certain death is what I heard. Really, though, what happens? What are you going to do? I don't know. When these people believe that's a violation of their rights, how do they defend their rights? It's going to get violent at some point. That's my point. Best-case scenario looks a lot like that reporter who wanted to get in at, uh, at uh, what was it, the campus. Um, they're all running together in my head now. The report oh, 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 Mitsu. Mitsu. Yeah, yeah, wanted to get in. That's my point. Best, Best case, case scenario, scenario yeah. they shove an Asian reporter out. Worst case scenario, they beat the hell out of the white guy or girl who goes into the black-only space. So these are demands. And I love what they say is, we are the tolerant ones. Well, they issue these demands. First off, they issue them to a president of a university who has no way to, even if he wanted to meet the demands, do so. And if he doesn't meet all the demands, what do they do? They ruin his life. They get him fired. They get him to lose his job. That's what they try to do at Yale. That's what they try to do at Mitsu. The guy did resign. So what's tolerant about that? What's tolerant about you agree with? And you know what's so funny? Like the Yale professor is one they were demanding. We played that clip where she's going, you need to apologize. Regardless of everything else, you need to apologize. The reason the Yelp professor was in trouble was because he said some kids are going to wear offensive costumes, racially insensitive costumes on Halloween. But they have the right to. So just, you know, let them do it. You need to apologize. What if, and the Yelp professor, I'm trying to listen to your voice. What if he just leaned in and said, no. You need to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. You know why? Because I'm not wrong. That's what these professors need to do. No. not The president here at, at Princeton is saying, well, it's out of my power. I don't have the ability. Just say no. We want a black-only space. Piss off. You're going to try and fight because you know because I don't have the ability to give it to you anyway. Piss off, all of you. I'm not giving you a black-only space. I'm not putting everyone through sensitivity re-education training. You, you, you young lady at the front there, you had a low SAT score. We just didn't have enough uh, of people of color. That's why you're in here. Meanwhile, Wong had to, be, had to transfer because we had too many of him. You, look, you should be the least complaining. That's what I would say. The problem is everyone's so afraid of these people. Everyone's such a coward. Well, we want to hear your voice. No, you don't want to hear. They're absurd. There's nothing. There's no. There was no logic there. So let me move on to Dartmouth. This happened this week. Dartmouth. We can't play the video here. You're welcome, Derek. We've had a few get past Derek there at our home station in Wham, Detroit. He's he's looking. Where we're like, oh crap, we forgot that someone was yelling the f word in the background or something at these leftist protests. Dartmouth, they Black Lives Matter. They walk into the library, yelling, "If we can't have it, tear it down." Uh, Black Lives Matter, and there was a white girl crying, and um, r- reported by multiple sources, she said, "F your white tears, f your white tears," repeatedly. Now, I'm inclined, I didn't hear that in the video, but I'm inclined to believe it because I did see them saying, F you, if we can't get it, tear it down, and giving the finger to the camera, Black Lives Matter. We did see that on camera. And then there were multiple multiple reports of this girl crying and them yelling that. And it, I don't want to be inconsistent and say, well, there was no evidence of poop swastika, but there was no evidence of any of the racial discrimination they claimed. Here, you can see 
minutes and minutes and minutes on camera. Here's the thing with that, okay? Here's something that people miss. Black Lives Matter. All right. First off, that's saying we had a secret meeting behind your backs and said black lives don't matter, right? You're assuming that everyone who doesn't agree with your view is saying you set it up where it has to be an evil enemy, not a difference of opinion. Before I forget, uh, on that point, um, the meetings moved to Friday. The white privilege meeting? Yeah, it was. we had to cancel because uh, Jeff can't make it. We can't do it on a Friday. Well, I mean, it's after the show. Well, just so. avoid the nightclubs because that's okay. where you get a lot of the blacks. So a white privilege meeting is Friday for everyone who's listening. Um, so right away when you say black lives matter, you vilified everyone who disagrees with you. Right off the bat, they're just, they're just evil and they think black lives don't matter. All right, so you're not really looking for dialogue at that point. So right away, you've alienated people. And here's, the th here's something that's really important. Yeah, there have been a lot of black people who didn't get a fair shake. And you're talking about not that far back, you know, 64. People who are still alive who experienced discrimination. Absolutely. But for the 22-year-old Asian or the 22-year-old white kid on campus right now who's never experienced privilege, who's actually had to fight against affirmative action, who's actually not had a quota, or in the case of Asian students, there, there are too many of them, who've had to get higher scores, who've had to be at the top of their class, who've had to entirely get by on their merits as they see affirmative action and these social justice causes expanding. Uh, what you, the 45-year-old, the 55-year-old, the, the Al Sharptons, are stirring up as discrimination and telling people as an oppression is not the reality that 22-year-old white men or women in the United States on university have experienced, right? And so they are already, and now when you tell them that they're racist, right away you've created hostility. Right away they're a little bit ticked off because they've had to work really hard to be at Yale, and maybe you haven't so much. Sorry, that's a big, that's a big thing that should really bother you, black Americans. A lot of Americans look at you at Yale or Harvard and go, uh, do you really deserve to be there? Many of you do, but a lot don't. That should really offend you. That should re the, the, the racism of soft expectations, of having people look at you and not quite sure if you earned it, that's a horrible thing. That's got to hurt your self-esteem more than a degree with a mediocre SAT score. So... Then this girl is yelling, F your white tears, F your white tears. Okay, let's take the extreme example of black power, right, Black Panthers, violence. Let's scale it back, right? That's a lack of empathy to someone because of their skin color or the KKK. So you got KKK on one side, black power, Black Panthers on the other side, beating up white people. Let's scale it back from Black Panthers. Yelling F your white tears to a girl crying in a library who did nothing wrong to you. Sporty line sociopathic. There's a complete lack of sympathy. Complete lack of empathy to that person. That girl crying. Probably was on board with your cause to start with. Here's what's happened. You've not forwarded the Black Lives Matter cause at all. You've not changed. If someone had a negative perception of black Americans, you've not changed or improved that. Here's something you have done, and I want you to listen to me very carefully. You've made that girl, and likely her boyfriend, a racist for the rest of their life. You've just planted a seed, unjustifiably, by the way, not saying any racism is justified on her part, but guess what? She's going to remember for the rest of her life when people came in yelling, let's tear this down, and she was crying, probably because she was stressed studying for midterms, was probably having a really rough day, and you came in and you berated her. She's sitting there crying, and you yell, F your white tears. That's going to sting. That's going to stay there. And for the rest of her life, 
she's going to remember that. And that resentment can grow. And so you want to complain about racism? You want to complain about prejudice? Well, guess what? It was going away for a long... We were making a lot of progress. It's going to get a lot worse. How do you think all the white people in Baltimore feel right now? Highest homicide rate ever. Black mayor, black police force, black city council. Give them space to destroy. How do you think that Korean shopkeeper who opened up a drugstore, knowing full well that it was a black neighborhood, did it to serve you, to serve the community? How do you think he's going to live his life? How do you think he's going to feel moving forward when you've burned his stuff down? All the while wearing shirts that say, I love my blackness. Black lives matter. Because you know what? That shopkeeper opened, opened up there knowing that it was a black, because he, he was fine with it. He wanted to serve you, right? But now you're attributing your horrible behavior, borderline sociopathic behavior for many of these people. And you're the one attributing it to your blackness. It's a horrible thing. It's an absolutely horrible thing to do. And think about that for a second. So now you've got this 22-year-old white girl, white boy who've experienced that, and they've soured a little bit, whether they admit it or not, because someone with a shirt that says Black Lives Matter said F yo white tears. And they're growing up, and that resentment is there. And then the kid who's growing up, and he learns a little bit, and he gets out into the workforce, and he realizes, oh, you know what? The affirmative action kid. I, I really, maybe I didn't really deserve to get into Yale. And then he's going to have a complex. And he's going to resent that people thought he was incapable of getting in on his own merits. You can have those people in the same office. You can have those people eating in the same cafeterias. The people who experienced F.O. white tears, who experienced black-only places, who were berated for wearing a costume that they were told was racist, who were told they were racist their whole lives, when they never, I mean, 22-year-olds, they'd never even experienced it. And then you've got the black person who doesn't really, doesn't really know where they line up, if they deserve what they got. Or if it was a free ride. Can you imagine the kind of society that's going to create? Not to get all serious on you. But really, you think that's progress? Tweet me at S. Crowder. I want to know. I want to know. We get lots of leftists who listen to this show. I want to know. How is that beneficial? How is that more beneficial than saying no special privileges for anyone? Same taxes across the board, same treatment across the board, same government programs across the board, same requirements for every school across the board. That's my belief. But you think I'm prejudiced, right? You think I'm prejudiced and the F.O. white tears person and the affirmative action pushing people and the black spaces only black lives matter. They're the ones who are more, more in tune with social justice. Is that what you're going to go with? Maybe white guys like Sean King who slap on a coat of fake tan and flare their nostrils a little bit for photos while putting a mustache to try and enhance their lip claiming to be black when we know they're white. Those people know more about social justice. I'm going to go with no. Also, as an English-speaking Canadian living in French Canada, they thought I was retarded until the fourth grade because I had to go to French public schools and they had language laws. I wouldn't even be allowed to write louder with Crowder on a sign header unless it was in French. So I know a thing or two about discrimination, but I know melanin in the skin is the only way you can know. Louder with Crowder, I'll bring my racist self back after this.
else is breaking news on Louder with Crowder. I am Perry Matheson, broadcasting for what will likely be the last transmission on the Louder with Crowder airwaves for quite some time. I would like to formally apologize for inaccurate reporting. Earlier, we have been notified of our intolerant and potentially xenophobic journalistic ethics and have since been corrected in that terrorism has no religion hashtag on Twitter. We're really glad for those folks to keep us accountable. That's good. Also, um... Look at his face. Tell him to say the refugee thing. You need to take all of the Syrian refugees available or you are un-American and they are no threat to national security. Signing off for the last time on Louder with Crowder, I'm Perry. Don't prod me! I did what you asked! Good to be here. All the lights are on. The sun is out, which is nice. Also, speaking of sun, terrorism, ISIS, is actually directly attributable to climate change. Did you know that? I I didn't, but that makes a lot of sense. Bernie Sanders said that. That makes a lot of sense. Bernie Sanders blamed terrorism on climate change. Well, Obama's been saying that for forever, too. (sighs) Jobs for jihadis, remember? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. That's... Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, firstly, before we say anything, is a self-avowed democratic socialist, okay? That's what, that's the mantle, that's the team he plays for. Are you crazy? Those guys are retards. I know. I know. So, but yes, we have this here. Bernie Sanders, in the debate, said that climate change was directly correlated to a rise in terrorism i just feel like he's one of those candidates and there are plenty of them on the right side too but he's one of those candidates that has about three points he can go to wall street he can go to climate change he can go to pay yeah pay pay, equal pay he has about three points and if if he whatever he can answer any question any question point as long as he can somehow bring it back to one of those then he has talking points. well and i don't take and i don't take i don't take special interest money yeah you do he gets millions. He's gotten millions from unions. And people say, well, that's not special interest. That's for the workers. Okay, hold on a second. Biggest donor is uh, uh, municipal service employees unions and then SEIU. So we're talking about a lot of public sector unions, okay? What's more special interest than the public sector, okay, <laughs> right now when they're looking for grants and taxpayer dollars? Yep, yep, yep. Big difference is they don't actually have to provide goods or services. They can just take it. When people... I was talking, actually, we'll have her back on. Julie was talking about her, her class, and the kids said that capitalism, by definition, has to have a poorer class to cap. And I said, that's not, no, okay, first off, let's create the actual definition of capitalism and gave her Merriam-Webster. It's not. The, the thing they get hung up on is the for-profit entities as opposed to the state. Here's what I, you know, we'll come back to that. But here's something that is singularly unique about the United States. Yes, there have been pl- people are born into wealth. You have the Donald Trumps who get million-dollar loans and million-dollar credits, and it's a lot easier to turn that into a lot of money, right? That's absolutely true. If we had a million dollars starting off with a lot of with Crowder, we'd be a, a 
10, $20 million company right now. We know that. We've done a lot with our investments and grown and, and provided everything free of charge with this show, with the website, with the podcast. Everything we provide is free, and we've grown leaps and bounds to the point that our servers have crashed this week. We apologize for the website. We've, we've grown beyond the uh, sandbox that we have, and we have to expand everything, so work with us here. So I understand. People are born into wealth. That's absolutely true, and that's happened in Europe. But one thing that people cannot deny that free enterprise capitalism, the United States, modern free enterprise, for which it is singularly unique, is that before the United States, you were either born into royalty, you were either born into the wealthy, into the ruling class, or you were born a peasant. And to this day, we have more class mobility than any other country. But class mobility is singularly unique to the United States in the New World. We were the ones that allowed people to go from lower class, middle class, to wealth. Didn't happen in Europe. Didn't happen. Extreme example, royalty inbreeding. Doing their sisters to make sure that it stayed within the family. Right? That's the extreme example. Let's scale it back. Protection to the ruling class. You're a peasant. So like an extreme example, inbreeding. Sisters coming to your chambers. Or, I mean, that's why they're so ugly. Scale that back. Let's protect the royalty, scale that back. Let's protect the parliamentary people, career politicians, bloodlines, dynasties. And we have a little bit of that now in the United States. The Clintons and the Bushes, I'm the first to admit it, not a Bush, not a Bush guy. The United States said, no, 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 no. We're going to level the playing field. Anyone can take office. Anyone can uh, run a business. Freedom. Now, you can, you can argue that some of that was built on the backs of slavery, that there was inequality when the country came. Absolutely. You can argue that, and that would be an argument that we could have, and I'm sure you can make valid points. What cannot be argued, what is not up for debate, is the United States was singularly unique for creating class mobility. That's huge, because that's the same system now that Bernie Sanders is condemning. While receiving huge money... From unions. Well, is it special interest? Well, let's think about this. Public sector union forces you to join whether you want to or not, forcibly takes your dues whether you want them to or not, and gives them all the time, 99 point something percent of the time, to Democratic politicians. You believe that 99.99% of all public sector union workers are Democrat voters? No, they have no say over it. So these unions do have money, and they do give it to PACs, and they do it Bernie Sanders. Nearly anywhere it's been put to a vote, including Michigan, by the way, home of the UAW and unions, guess what? The people have voted overwhelmingly in right to work against unions. And the economies are better in states that are right to work, like Texas. So, literally, the unions are diametrically opposed to the voting public. The people. The unions are not the people. The people have voted against the unions, and they demand government come in and force people to join unions. That's as close to special interest as I can think of. So the myth that Bernie Sanders doesn't take special interest money while pocketing millions from unions is laughable. Then he attributes climate, he attributes terrorism to climate change. Terrorism to climate change. So ISIS, it's gotten worse, 80% more global terrorism in the last couple of years here than, but we haven't had any warming the last couple of years. You got to appreciate their consistency though. You got to appreciate the fact that not only is, the, is there inconclusive evidence for climate change, there's actually a lot of refuting evidence right. for climate change. But what is it? Don't take a chance. Don't take a chance. Don't take a chance. Let's just go with it, guys. Just take a chance. Syrian on... refugees come in. There's not, not only refuting evidence, but there's, that's the opposite. There's actually a lot of evidence supporting that. Yeah. Weird stuff could happen. Let them in. Let them in. Let's take a chance. And you're the extremist. 
That's all. You are the extremist. So with Bernie, that is one thing that is so important to know, class mobility in the United States. There's a lot of stuff that we do. And by the way, when we talk about inequality, yeah, there was a lot of inequality. We talk about reparations. We're still talking about that Black Lives Matter. Well, you know what? What's going to be more valuable in reparations than blood? More people in the United States died in that civil war to free the slaves. One of the most bloody wars in history. The blood of hundreds of thousands. Blood of millions? Does that not pay for it? Doesn't that count as reparations? What, you need You need a check? 22-year-old Yale student? Does it count for something? The blood spilled? Probably billions of gallons of blood spilled to free the slaves. Nope. Everything we've done is bad. That's what the left wants you to believe. Not me. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned.